0: Talk about the game, Sam. So cares about what people think about us?
1: Yeah, I like football. I like football season all the things that go with it.
0: Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo back here with Sam Monson. And we're previewing all of the Week 8 action here in the NFL. So let's get into it right after you tell us about the new props here on the desk.
1: Yeah, look, here's our uh, custom baseball bat sent to us by the very good people at Stinger. Thank you, Stinger. Uh, our guy, Derek Fye, sent us this stuff or hooked us up with this stuff. So, you know, we had the the, the metal bat that they sent us to actually, you know, do the swinging and do the hitting with. But this is a kind of custom display model that's got let me I mean where are we we got a camera here it's got the PFF logo here uh, and then the best friends animal society logo here the PFF charity drive stuff here and then look stinger there we go so this is going to sit up here and live with us for a little bit on the uh, on the desk and then we'll maybe think of something to do with it cool after we've actually done all this stuff one
0: thing I know you shouldn't do with it is swing it and try to hit me well certainly not would-
1: in here well, there's a lot great. of things we could smash in the studio. Like w- you can't see it from the shot, but there's like lights hanging everywhere. There's
0: to be clear a lot when when we play, when we when you hit against me, it will will be with a metal bat.
1: Yes, not the wood mm-hmm. bat that could you know break. And then we got uh, we got batting gloves as well. Now look, these there's an American flag going on here, like a, a motif. I'm not 100 100 on board with that, but you I'm assuming the, there's a Irish and American. Well, that's the thing. American. I'm assuming there's a very limited supply of Irish flagged uh, baseball <laughs> get up you can probably find.
0: Yeah. So anyway, yeah, we're, we're gearing up, we're getting close. And again, if you've got a, uh, a field or if you're at the University of yeah. Cincinnati right down the street and you're gonna let us, you know, just I was, go there. I was talking to Rick upstairs
1: great. and he was like, uh, Steve's gonna let you swing with a metal bat? I was like, yeah, look, I think, I don't think his fear of what will happen if I connect with any of these things is tremendously high. So I don't think he's too worried about it. No, I mean, what are you gonna do?
0: Anyway, uh, that's all going to be fun. Uh, don't forget promo code NFLpod. You get 25% off any PFF subscription. It's just for you, just for our listeners here at the NFL podcast, PFF NFL podcast. So NFLpod, 25% off over at PFF.com. We're live on YouTube. Appreciate everybody tuning in. Let's get into all the action. By the way, yesterday we did preview the Thursday night football game, Packers-Cardinals. Packers-Cardinals. Uh, Packers out their defensive coordinator now since we recorded. And
1: the Cardinals out J.J.
0: Watt. And J.J. Before. Watt is out for the season
1: since we recorded. Dude, that poor guy. Stop injuring him. Just stop. Look, football gods, you've, you've had enough. You've had your pound of flesh out of J.J. Watt. Now stop. Leave him alone. Yeah, he, oh, You've already taken away what could have been the greatest NFL defensive career of all time. That's gone now. Now he's just a really good player. Leave him be. Stop injuring the man.
0: Yeah, sad. He played through the shoulder injury last week, and now he's out for the season. Am
1: I the only one one that wonders if he could play through a game with it? Like, Can he keep playing with it? Well, yeah, like how bad was it? I mean, this is like Baker Mayfield, right? He needs surgery to fix his shoulder. He's going to keep going. Like if you can play a whole game. saying Baker's tougher than J.J. Watt? I would never say that. I'm simply wondering if a man can injure it during a game, play it was like the whole second half he played, right? Yeah play through it for the second half why why can we not keep playing through it
0: we'll get jj on the show and ask him why can't you uh,
1: why can't you suck it up jj i mean you can ask him you're taller than he is true i am i'll, I'll stand behind you and close find out. and
0: wait too <laughs> to jj we have similar similar frame <laughs> no remember my frame comp is uh carlos dunlap anyway let's get into all the action weekend so we previewed the packers cardinals yesterday on our wednesday show so go listen to that if you want that game preview but now we'll go through this weekend the sunday's action uh it was tough to find a game of the week or games of the week we usually try to highlight three it's a weird week yeah there's some decent ones but we'll go through all of them anyway let's start with tampa bay at new orleans the bucks are favored by five and a half in the dome uh an nfc south battle i don't think many people expected the saints maybe to be challenging the uh the bucks for the you know, for the NFC South Crown this year, right? I mean, that <laughs> I mean, wasn't.
1: Are we sure they are?
0: Well, I mean, they're a game behind. I know. I mean, a game and a half, however you want to look. They've, they've, the Saints have had a buy, the Bucs haven't. But if the Saints win, they're technically not in first, but they're, you know, like a win behind. But, like, look the at Bucks. the
1: wins. Like, you got. Oh, I understand. So you got week one against Green Bay, and honestly, we just have to, like, throw that out as madness at this point for both teams. Um, then you've got a win, uh, win at New England, where New England don't seem to be able to win. Um, a win at Washington and a win at Seattle with Geno, <clears throat> Geno Smith is the quarterback. Right. Uh, no, I get then it. Then we have losses to the Giants and the Panthers, who aren't very. Neither of whom were good. Yeah. What do we do with that? You, you, this is the Saints' test. Oh, this, this? is their test. Okay.
0: Against the Bucs. and now they're at home. They beat the Bucks in both games last year, for whatever that's worth, both at home, and then they crushed them in Tampa Bay during the regular season. They lost in the playoff game. Uh, in the divisional round. Uh, but the Saints matched up extremely well with the Bucs last year. They were the one defense that, I mean, they consistently gave the Bucs some problems. Both, you know, again, in that in that Sunday night beatdown, but even in the divisional round, that was the worst game for the Bucks' offense. They, they ended up scoring 31. A lot of that was driven by Drew Brees not being able to throw passes very far yes, and throwing interceptions and flipping the field and the whole thing. So it's going to be, and for the Bucks, it's a big challenge offensively. Uh, by the way, Antonio Brown shows up at practice with crutches yesterday. Supposedly both ankles hurt. And Bruce Arians says he's either eh, may, might come back after the bye, which is next week, or it might be out for a long time. So that could be could be bad for the Bucs and their offense. They do have a lot of depth, but it's a it's a factor.
1: It, it, <laughs> this was an injury that the team knew about, right? He didn't just like roll up with crutches and was like, "Surprise." Oh no, he missed last week because of it. Yeah. But I, that,
0: I mean but the crutches thing, I think might be new. Like something's <laughs> happening with those ankles. Just
1: the you know the way you were selling that, it's like uh, you know well, well, we're crutches, expecting Antonio back this week. I think week. the
0: crutches were new. Yeah, not to the team, but to the right. to the public. To the public, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so that's you know potentially a big blow for the Bucks offense. A, a, Antonio Brown had been their deep threat really. Um, as again as as good as Mike Evans and Chris Godwin are, and Gronk when you know, Gronk came back to practice, so he might be playing this week. Uh, AB has been there their deep threat you know replacing Scotty Miller with Scotty Miller's injury uh, so it could be a big blow for the Bucs if it's if it's more than a couple of weeks
1: yeah um, the other interesting aspect here is that like the new orleans saints receivers wide receivers in particular are completely non-productive so far this season yeah. Tampa Bay their biggest problem on defense is all of their corners keep getting injured even the ones that they bring in for you know reinforcements get injured they they're almost they've got nobody but the Saints might have the only group of wide receivers in the NFL that those defensive backs can actually cover comfortably and not be exposed by. So it's going to be an interesting game because you've got, you know, slinging Jameis Winston back there, but who's he slinging it to? So in theory, you look at this and you're like, well, the Bucs defensive line hasn't gotten a ton of pressure this season. Um, they're not as uh, productive as they were last season up front. So Jameis Winston standing back there should be able to, you know, deal a little bit. But yeah. like, who's he dealing to? And like against those Tampa Bay corners, you'd be like, actually, this is like a Jameis Winston kind of matchup. But again, does he have anybody to take advantage of?
0: Well, the other part of it, right, is the, how about the way the Saints have played this year? They have tried to make this an Alvin Kamara-led offense. Both. Now they bring in Mark Ingram back. Mark Ingram, yeah, he's back. The uh, The old Thunder and Lightning, right? Every, every two-back set is Thunder and Lightning, right? That's, <sighs> that's what they have to be.
1: It does, I mean... I don't quite understand why you need to go on like you know trade for a Mark Ingram, but I think the idea of the Saints trying to protect the overall efficiency of Alvin Kamara by reducing his early down workload is probably not a bad idea.
0: Yeah, and well, the the aspect I'm going to bring up here is they've been running trying to run the ball a lot more this year. It's a different offense. It's not Drew Brees' offense, but we've seen teams completely shy away from that with the box and their defensive front. So do the do the Saints, you know, try to ram their head against that wall and, and try to get productive and average four, four and a half yards per carry against a really good defensive front? Or is this a full Jameis game? Is this a game, you know, a lot of their best games, it's Jameis dropping back 25 times and not having to do nearly as much. Is this one of those games where, like other teams have done, they say, well, our best bet against the box is to spread and throw and throw on early downs and take advantage of their depleted secondary and all that fun stuff. Does Sean Payton have that in him? And look, I think Jameis has done a really nice job hitting Kamara out of the backfield. I mean, that was their... He had over 10 catches Monday night, all that stuff. That could be the, the play here, too, is just, you know, the short passing game.
1: When you look at their receiving numbers this year, it's kind of wild. Alvin Kamara leads the team in catches by nine, targets by six. Um, not quite in yardage. Callaway's got him by, like, whatever that is, 13 yards. Um, but their leading receiver... Is on pace to have like 750 yards in a 17 game season with slinging Jameis Winston at quarterback. Like, whatever we, you know, you say about Jameis Winston on the critical end, he is at least willing to throw the ball relentlessly, pretty aggressively downfield. Like, to not have a receiver on pace for more than 750 yards, any receiver, is lunacy.
0: Yeah. The, uh, it's just a weird it's a different it's a different year and but and I wonder how much that you know they've been able to win games either with not much of an offense the other night against Seattle or you know against uh you know early uh, the Green Bay game still it feels like a long time ago but Jameis had five touchdowns on like 21 passes Right. right that was a run heavy attack the New England win was a run heavy attack uh so We'll see if they end up opening it up again. I think on the other side, the matchup to watch always is Mike Evans versus Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, Mike <laughs> Evans and Lattimore, they always, you know, we saw Lattimore going head to head with DK Metcalf on Monday Night Football.
1: Lattimore needs the guy, you remember the video of John Henderson getting like a pre-game bitch slap to get yes. himself up to like, you know, psyched up. He had some guy like equipment staff or whatever who before the game in the tunnel, it, this guy's job was to throw like a full on roundhouse slap to John Henderson's face. To get him psyched up to go out and you know rip some heads off latimore needs that guy latimore needs somebody to annoy him before a game yeah because against i mean every time he play he faces mike evans it's like a physical battle they hate each other so he shows up and dominates um against dk metcalf dk gets him with the early deep touchdown then dk starts going after him like in blocking you know run random run plays like gives him a shove Lattimore shoves him back, penalty, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, that's the point. Lattimore is now pissed off. From that point on, he gave up like one catch for 10 yards or something to DK. Yeah. Like, evidently, Marshawn Lattimore just needs to be irritated to the point where he's going to show up and play his best game.
0: That is is the matchup every week. I mean, every time they play, Lattimore versus Evans. In the first matchup last year, Evans caught one pass for two yards. It was a touchdown. It was late. In the – Second matchup, I think there was some garbage time, and I mean, they were down, they were down by a million for a while. Uh, Evans catches four for 64. And then in the divisional round, it's another one catch for three yards. It was a touchdown. So, uh, you know, the Saints I mean, sorry, the, the Bucs love to target Evans in the tight red zone. He ha- did get those two touchdowns against the Saints last year, but Lattimore throughout, you know, across the field pretty much did a good job. I think he, there was a pass interference penalty in there as well. From Lattimore that doesn't show up in the stats, but there there is a another strong case for Lattimore perhaps taking Mike Evans out of this game. Mm. And that is where the lack of Antonio Brown and right. remember in the playoff game, Antonio Brown also missed that game in the divisional round. It was Brady's worst game. It was the Pat Bucks' worst game throwing the football. And yeah, I mean it puts more pressure on Chris Godwin. If Gronk is back, O.J. Howard's banged up. So just the other yeah, like, you know, pieces of the Bucs offense need to step up here
1: the strength and depth that Tampa Bay has at the receiver position is starting to get tested yeah. Like they still have it and even if you take away you know even if you take Antonio Brown out of the lineup you take Mike Evans out of the game with Marshawn Lattimore they've got a couple of in- other injuries like they still there's still places to go with the ball now there's fewer than there used to be but this is the point of the strength and depth. Like you still have a Chris Godwin, potentially a Gronk. You still have weapons that other teams would kill for. But now we get to see, you know, is is the is the depth as robust as we thought it was? Because now you're you're having to lean on it. I'm a little surprised the Saints
0: pass rush is ranked uh, 29th in a, you know so far this season. They were much better with Geno Smith at quarterback the other night, but in uh, against that Seattle offensive line. But that's another factor, right? When the Saints destroyed the bucks last year they did a really nice job up front it was it was all of their various defensive linemen they you know trey hendrickson was there last year you've got davenport cameron jordan Uh, that was how they won last year that has not been there this year for the saints other than last week really against the seahawks so it's another one of those the coverage unit overall has been good for the saints they've made life difficult for teams on third down and but they're gonna have to rush the passer similar to how they did against the Seahawks.
1: Yeah, and a big challenge. It is. Um, So far this year, their pass rush has basically been Cam Jordan. Like he's got 24 total pressures. Nobody else has more than 13. You can read all those numbers in PFF premium stats. And if you use the promo code NFLPOND, you get 25% off. But big boost for the Saints this week, they are getting back David Onyemata, who has, you know, whatever this is, six game suspension. Um, Anya Mata was one of the best pass rushing interior players last year he had 49 total pressures a season ago an overall PFF grade of 88.8 8. I mean that is huge reinforcements to get back and start taking some of the attention away from Cameron Jordan and give the Saints another threat up front it's going up against a really you know top level interior offensive line in Tampa Bay as well as a quarterback that's getting rid of the ball as fast as anybody but like, that's a huge thing.
0: Yeah, Brady's got one of the lowest sack rates in the league. So, um, it's look, it's a good matchup. If the Saints are going to pull the upset, what are you looking for here? Is it is it up front defensive line-wise? Is it Jameis has to make a few? They've been attacking down the field, right? It, has been, it hasn't been that intermediate passing game. It's been down the field. They probably have to hit on a couple of those.
1: Yeah, they, they need receivers to make a few plays. Like, you know, Marquez Calloway, who we, we were buying into based off his preseason performance – he needs to show up a bit more like yeah. he's shown the ability to get open deep he's shown the ability to moss people at the catch point whether it's in preseason whether it's a, a hail mary a couple of weeks ago he's got that kind of talent like he needs to show up and do it because the bucks don't have the corners that can stop it that's your matchup advantage in this game you have a quarterback willing to air it out and you have corners that have not been good or don't have a pedigree go after them and try and hang with the bucks in a shootout and then rely on the fact that your defense has done a pretty good job of slowing down this specific offense in recent years.
0: So this is, I think, uh, the first – I mean, not the first big test, but a really big test for the Saints in this post-Drew Brees era. And what is Sean Payton going to do with James Winston? They're sitting here at 4-2. and two. Payton still continues to prove that they can win games without Drew Brees. But to your point, after the Packers game, who did they really – prove it against this is their first prove it game at home in the dome against the box where are you going in this
1: one uh i am going to lean with the saints to cover the five and a half it's gonna be tight huh
0: but lose all right i'm going box in this one by the way people asked asked us to keep track so since i had a good week last week i was 10 and 2 against the spread in the game oh now we're keeping track yeah yeah so we'll start we'll start now as uh, starting in week seven, I'm ten and two. <laughs> what? All right. what was I? I didn't I didn't keep track of your picks. You're only keeping track of your picks. Alright, I'll keep track of yours from now on. Yeah. Let's let's, let's get this going. Go. You got so Norland. I'm just gonna I'm just doing spread here.
1: Okay. New Orleans cover.
0: So Nor or- Nollins Uh by the way, yeah, five and a half. So I'll oh man, that's a lot of points again in the dome. But I'll say uh Brady, number one graded quarterback, keeps it up, has his best game against the Saints, and I think we start to see some separation at the top of the NFC South with the Bucs pulling away. So that's my that's my prediction there. See if we can go 11-2 uh, starting with that game. <laughs> uh, special thanks to our friends over at Manscaped. It's football season. You know what that means? It means we're going for two here with our friends over at Manscaped. Blitzing through hairs has never been easier, and it's time for you to join the two million men worldwide who trust Manscaped by using promo code PFF over at manscapes.com. You get 25, 20% off, plus free shipping. It's three and out the window with all other trimmers. Go tame that wildcat offense right now. Mm-hmm. It's the brand new lawnmower 4.0. We've been here with Manscaped since the 1.0. And boy, has this thing taken your defense to the next level this fourth generation trimmer features a cutting edge ceramic blade to reduce grooming accidents thanks to their advanced skin safe technology the lawnmower 4.0 is a 7000 rpm motor new multi-function on off switch that can engage a travel lock and it gives you the ability to turn the 4000 K LED spotlight on and off when needed for a more precise shave look at all those features the 4.0 brings to the table it's also waterproof rain snow or sleet that football weather is no match for the lawnmower 4.0 mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so you know as always there is no 15 yard penalty for this clipping
1: by far my favorite feature is all of the weatherproofing i mean look it's a hard enough task in, yeah. in itself without having to contend with snow at the time yeah. you know or you
0: know like the water and from the shower perhaps but like the okay, rain and the snow and the sleet.
1: typically sleet and snow do not come from your shower head true you know if i was if i was but advertising did, the waterproof capabilities of something that would make sense But no, they're advertising weatherproofing, full weatherproofing, not just showerproof. But if you're out there in the snow, apparently balls deep in the snow. This works. This works anyway. Frozen tundra Mm -hmm. doesn't even matter. I mean, how many times have you been balls deep in the snow? Which for you is, that's a lot of snow. It's a lot of snow. And have thought, if only. Right. If only I had a 7,000 RPM motor to buzz through these pubes (laughs) in this depth of snow how many times that happened dst good good products solve problems that people have and uh
0: and that's what manscaped is here for you get 20 20 off and free shipping i love when you take it over 20 percent off and free shipping with the promo code pff at manscaped.com 20 percent off with free shipping manscaped.com promo code is pff stiff arm your pubes out of the playoffs even in the snow this season with mm-hmm. manscaped oh that's amazing
1: your ad-libbing skills are incredible. It's not even ad I'm just fascinated by that as a, as a, as a thing, as a yeah. feature. And I have a feeling
0: Jingle Balls to the Wall
1: coming up soon. Oh, I hope Almost so. Almost
0: Christmas and, you know, turkeys and Thanksgiving stuff. We get all sorts of <laughs> opportunities here. Anyway, Pittsburgh Steelers at the Cleveland Browns. Browns are favored by three and a half. The Baker Mayfield debate, man, it is raging all over the interwebs. Do you pay him? Do you not? What's up with his shoulder? Uh, Mike Tomlin. Uh, let me do something I hate here. Uh-oh. I'm just going to recite the quote that was sent out there that's probably completely out of context. Mm-hmm. Uh, but he said the, the Browns' offense looks the same no matter who's a quarterback.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's true, right?
0: Which which probably so, which probably means, like, are they doing different things schematically? Are yes. they running outside zone? and they running play action off of it? No, they run the same scheme. You know that's being interpreted as, well, why are you going to pay Baker Mayfield when you have Ke- Case Keenum? I They're mean, the same
1: guy. To be honest, In virtually no interpretation is it wrong at the moment. Like, Baker Mayfield right now, the the offense does look the same, whether Baker or Case Keenum is a quarterback right this second. And that doesn't mean that Baker doesn't have a higher ceiling than Case Keenum or that he isn't a better player overall. But right now, there's not a ton of difference, and we saw that against Denver. Like, that offense looked pretty much the same. Right down to the, you know, bad mistake of quarterback every now and again. Like, Baker's had a ton of those this season. Uh, Case Keenum tried to throw an interception to the sideline. Like, it does look the same. But th- again, that isn't to say the one guy isn't better or more valuable or whatever. But if you're Mike Tomlin getting ready for a game, you don't give a crap which guy's playing, do you? No, but that's, that's again, not how it's been interpreted. I mean, Baker's got four games
0: that were much better than what Keenum has played this year four games higher graded better you know he had a game two games where he averaged over 10 yards per attempt of course this offense is better with baker mayfield under center baker's worst games did come uh mostly with the bad shoulder he had a rough one against the vikings in the win and against arizona that you know that last game where he was stats were bailed out by hill mary he did not play well at all but the offense is better with baker mayfield that is clear as day to me it's better Okay. Now, in a one-game setting, in case Keenum plays, of course, he could play as well.
1: Well, it sounds like Baker's playing this game. Yeah. So it's not tremendously relevant.
0: Yeah, and we'll see what the, what the shoulder looks like. All I know right. is he needs to get rid of the ball quicker. We've been using this snap-to-throw and time-to-throw stuff to like tell a story quite a bit. He needs this to protect season. himself at
1: this point. Like whatever, yeah. about, whatever about the efficiency and how he's actually playing, at this point you have a wrecked shoulder. Like it was bad to begin with. You made it worse by getting speared into the ground. It's a disaster right now. And you are being held together by a shoulder brace, which is the only thing allowing you to keep playing at the moment. So unless you believe that your offensive line is going to be the best offensive line in the NFL and historically great to the point where you're never touched, you need to start playing as if you have a wrecked shoulder, which is get rid of the ball, err on the side of protecting yourself physically, and don't let like don't let yourself get re-injured. This is what I want to see.
0: As I was saying, we've been telling a lot of stories with this uh, time to throw figure that we use a lot. That's that's snap to release. Baker Mayfield, he's up in the two point nines the last two seasons. Now part of that, it's up from where he was earlier. Part of that is like the long play action. We actually had that uh, email question. Does does like a longer, you know, like a heavy play action attack kind of affect time to throw? does a little bit, <laughs> excuse me, as, almost as much as scrambles, I'd say, but not as much. It affects it a little bit because you've got longer developing concepts. And so 2.9 seconds, that's what he's averaging this year, a bunch of games over three. That time to throw is generally reserved for players that do make a ton of plays outside of structure, which is not Baker Mayfield's game. They're, and, and he's taking these hits that he shouldn't be taking.
1: It's, yeah, he, he plays like in his brain he's Patrick Mahomes. You know, or Russell Wilson, or one of these quarterbacks. Like, there's, and he does make some of those plays, right? There are times, like there was one I saw, I think this past uh, the last game that he played, where you know he spins out of like two or three attempts, two or three sacks in the pocket, like dancing around, throws this like running jump pass thing, and ends up completing it, and it was a good play, right? Yeah. But like you can't, he doesn't, he's not, Mahomes. Other than this year, does that like all the time right. and completes the passes and it looks amazing and it's ridiculous. Baker Mayfield also does it all the time, but the, like the strike rate or the success rate on those plays is way lower. And this was like, you know, you can do that in college; you can't do as much of it in the NFL. Like there was a play against Minnesota where he sort of tried to, you know, juke Denell Hunter in the open field. Yeah, it's like, dude, you're not you don't have that level of athleticism anymore you're dealing with hyper freak athletes and you're not like you're a relatively good athlete for a normal dude but against daniel hunter it doesn't work you just get hogtied and thrown to the ground and by the way when that's happening now it's gonna pop your shoulder out of its socket because you're now the dude from lethal weapon where it's just gonna pop out and pop back in every two seconds so again you need baker needs to change the way he's playing the game and that's
0: that's the point I wanted to get to. I used this reference before. 2018 Aaron Rodgers, week one, hurts his ankle. He was in the middle of a slump, kind of, for him, Aaron Rodgers, right? It might not have been 18. Maybe it was one of those years. <laughs> um, he started playing better football when he stopped playing outside of structure. Right. There was a point in Aaron Rodgers' career where all he wanted to do was leave the pocket and make you know, superhuman plays, and he, like, from me to you would have this wide open pass that he should have made and he wouldn't take it. Can Baker change his style? Can he cut down on that time in the pocket by, you know, 0.4, 0.5, and and just play within structure? And and against the Steelers and their number four pass rush, which might be even better than that, you know, when T.J. Watt is out there and healthy and all those dudes that they're throwing at you, get rid of the ball, man. And I I would love to see that. I would love to see a more play within the scheme Baker and I know I know the narrative is well the schemes elevated him it's Stefanski and you know Baker is a product of the system and all that stuff but he still tries to play outside of structure a little bit too much so I'd love to see that adjustment here due to the shoulder injury if, if and see if he could do it. it could be better for his development if he does that
1: it feels like a game where both defenses um could have an advantage like Cleveland's pass rush is is really good right now Miles Garrett Will obviously be a better player than the guy he's going up against. devian Clowney should be as well. The interior has cooled down a little bit for Cleveland over recent weeks, but those two alone should cause Ben Roethlisberger and the Steelers all kinds of issues. The only the question is on the other side, like can Cleveland dominate on the ground the way they have against other teams in recent weeks? So they obviously destroy the Chargers' run defense. They destroy Denver's run defense. The, The Steelers. Their defense is still really good, but they're like average in terms of yards per attempt on the, on the ground. They give up 4.3 yards per carry. The NFL average is 4.3 yards per carry. If the Browns can do to that run defense what they've done to everybody else, all of a sudden everything looks better, right? Like that's how that offense is at its best, dominating on the ground.
0: The Browns will get Jack Conklin back, the star right tackle. Uh, Odell but he's listed as questionable OBJ listed as questionable Nick Chubb questionable he was limited in practice on Wednesday uh Dearness Johnson of course we saw tore it up on uh last Thursday night Mm -hmm. so you know the running back position might be fine for the Browns but having Conklin back having that run blocking unit (laughs) intact Wyatt Teller right guard had a really nice game last week so that front that battle of the browns offensive line against the steelers front is it is a big one and if they don't run the ball extremely efficiently yeah it puts a lot even more pressure on baker mayfield he can't try to play hero ball
1: too much and that's probably a factor as well the fact that the browns are on this like mini buy you know coming off the thursday night
0: they got yeah they got a few extra and the the steelers are off a real buy
1: right but but normally that would be like a big advantage towards pittsburgh I, I would say you mitigate that because the Browns had the extra few days rest as well coming off Thursday night.
0: It's an interesting. It's Dallas and Minnesota, both teams coming off a of bye. It's one of those right. weird weeks where there's no real advantage there. Uh, but the thing you mentioned on the other side, the Pittsburgh offensive line, we know it's been an issue uh, from a run-blocking standpoint, from a pass-blocking standpoint. The pass-blocking grade isn't bad because they they don't have to block all that long. They do get <laughs> somewhat protected by, uh, by Ben Roethlisberger. I mean, it's still... Still not great, but, um, yeah, I, that's what I want to see is the Browns getting pressure, and, you know, Steelers, can they, can they sustain offense? It has just been ugly across the board offensively this year for the Steelers.
1: Yeah, it has. Um, it, it's, it's not, I mean, I'm kind of vaguely surprised that this line is where it is. So it's three and a half points the Browns are favored. Um, Green line has it as worth 4.2 is a lot like that's one of the bigger (laughs) the bigger discrepancies you're going to find in terms of green line versus the actual line green line detests the Steelers (laughs) really does yeah Um, even with that like all of the the money is still coming in on Cleveland like it is moving in that direction it's probably going to move like with Baker Mayfield being likely to start it's it's only heading in that direction but remember like the Browns fairly well wrecked the Steelers the last time they played Uh, I know Roethlisberger put up a ton of like box score numbers, but he didn't play well. Uh, oh
0: no, the turnovers were crazy early
1: right. in the game. So, I, I mean, this kind of feels like a game where the Browns are definitely the better team.
0: I know they've struggled Big this ben season. hip slash pectoral limited practice participant.
1: Those, I mean, get those hip injuries. Big Ben's like injury report should just be the picture of him, you know, covered in ice, <laughs> in ice with the Saran wrap stuff. <laughs>
0: questionable every practice, yeah, it should every, just be like every week,
1: questionable, you know everything iced up he'll stick it out but
0: he's questionable yeah um and my bigger concern is chase claypool being questionable i i I have not come off my take that the steelers offense pretty much goes as chase claypool goes because he's always a big play threat i know deontay johnson has that ability i know Najee has done some he's done enough the nice things that steelers fans are really excited about him and everything but he can't do much behind uh, the run blocking that he has uh so to me it's this Claypool got to be big Ben needs to flip the field with a couple throws per game and chase Claypool's his best bet for that and I really think the Steelers offense is limited when you don't have Claypool play the boomer bust game and try to create those chunk plays there's something in me that's leaning Steelers like the Tomlin's a good coach that is gonna get them to 500 or a little bit better this year with a team that's not great and it feels like one of those games where maybe 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 Tomlin gets the Steelers to like Start questioning people to start questioning. Oh, maybe we were too low on the Steelers as they go to four and three in this
1: game. It's that potential's there. It really is. I mean, they're they're five hundred, and there aren't a ton of good reasons for them to be five hundred, other than the fact that Mike Tomlin is really good head coach. Uh, He was trashing the uh, USC and LSU rumors that
0: he was going to leave. Yeah, he was mad. I mean, I wouldn't want to go recruit either. Neither would I. But I'm not sure I'd be mad at somebody asking the question. I'm not sure why. I mean, people started rumors. They, whether they're founded or not, but they try to find like this guy's a good coach. He might want to. He might be sick of Pittsburgh. You know, maybe he just wants to leave Big Ben with Big Ben because you don't have a quarterback next year. Yeah. I think they were just uh, hypothesizing. Either way, uh, three and a half. Man, it's I'm having a tough time feeling good about the Browns there. But, uh, but again, Greenline really doesn't have faith in that uh, oh, Pittsburgh I, offense. I
1: hammer the Browns. The Browns and the points. Like, I think they should. Even when, with
0: the May, like the Mayfield injury concern. Yeah, I don't love that, but I'm he hoping... has not been efficient.
1: Correct, but I'm hoping that their run game is as successful as it's been regardless, and that will take a lot of the pressure off his shoulders.
0: Now, remember, when we, when we pick games here on the show, it's, it's us. And it's a lot of, ah, I feel this, and you feel that. And Green, green Line's the standard here. Like, that's what you want to use over time. So, if I go away from it, it's just, you know, it's a little touchy-feely. Like, I, I feel good about Pittsburgh here. Hmm. Covering. Yeah. Cleveland's going to win. That's going to be good, a good AFC North battle. You're, so, you're going Cleveland. Yeah. Even though I'm 10-2. Yeah. Cleveland. It's almost like I don't Pittsburgh. trust there's a signal in that noise. Oh, no, I'm going to definitely be, you know, 80% 83% for the rest of the year. <laughs> yeah, yeah, so,
1: that seems likely. That won't fail.
0: So I'm going to keep winning, and you could keep winning over at DraftKings. Wow. Big win this week, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. They got you covered because new customers can bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game. So you just pick a team to win, and if they win, you win $200 in free bets. You win a chicken dinner. It's that simple. What? That's me yeah. ad-libbing. That's People terrible. wanted to hear that. That's even worse
1: than the, you just don't, the not That's
0: actually a lie. You will not win a chicken dinner. You will win $200 in free bets. Winner, winner. Yes. If Sportsbook isn't yet available in your state, DraftKings won't leave you empty-handed. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Sports Contest. And DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code PFF. Bet just $5 on any NFL team to win their game, and you win $200 in free bets. If they win, you win. With promo code PFF this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit. $1 wage required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem. Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Saw one of our listeners tag. I uh, think it was Robert Mays. Suggesting. He goes, get it. You got to speed through the... The terms and Got conditions. His terms and conditions. He offered me up maybe to, like, to Maze to help out on his,
1: you know, his podcast. Mm. Somebody. So you to do t and I can't remember who it was. Um, somebody posted, like, a video of them doing the terms and conditions to prove that it wasn't, like, a pre-recorded thing that they drop in every show, that he does it, you know. Maze? Live every time. No, it wasn't oh, Maze. Someone else did it? Somebody else posted a video on Twitter. I can't remember who it was, though. But they were, you know, they were proud of their terms and conditions Get ability.
0: Get out of the chat.
1: What? get out of the chat what are you talking about <laughs> yeah go ahead i'm just saying you know if you need somebody chicken, proved it if you win your chicken dinner you just email steve he'll he'll hook you up chick-fil-a yeah. you got a you got one of those lifetime cards for chick-fil-a oh we we crush them chick-fil-a <laughs> the
0: Palazzolos. we've got our order like saved in the app and everything yeah.
1: chick-fil-a you want to sponsor this thing
0: i mean i'm there twice they're a one week.
1: of the, they they're like there's a they're one of those companies that has like the gold card you know a lifetime chick-fil-a yeah we yeah yeah, you don't have one of those. No,
0: got a family of six to feed, and Chick Fil A is you know conducive to that when you need to eat out. So, uh, working our way up to the gold card. All right, let's go Tennessee Titans at the Indianapolis Colts. Am I reading this right? Colts are favored by one and a half. Uh, I Did hope so because right?
1: I put in the the
0: the odds. <laughs> so Tennessee. Let's check. Got all the feels right now. Trending in the right direction. Just beat the Bills and the Chiefs.
1: Green Line has it at minus one for the Colts, but yes, they are favored.
0: Interesting. So. People are buying into the Colts turning their season around. Uh, obviously, again, Tennessee is in this are they the best team in the AFC discussion just because they just beat uh, the Bills and the Chiefs in their last two games. They still have this loss against the Jets looming over their head. Beat the Colts back in week two. Uh, so yeah, I think Vegas is feeling the Colts being a lot better than they were earlier in the season. I think it's, we're seeing that on the field. Carson Wentz is playing. A, he is playing a clean brand of football. Like he is taking care of the ball as much as I joked about the other night. It was the rainstorm. Yeah, he should have had three or four interceptions. Like, but overall, like in non-rainstorm game, Wentz is taking care of the football.
1: Carson Wentz has four turnover-worthy plays on the season, and three of them came in a three-minute stretch. The second after I tweeted that he only had one turnover-worthy play yeah. this season in a rainstorm in San Francisco. So, like that game, he has a PFF game grade of forty-six point one. Every other game was at least 60 or better and every, and one of the games was 60 every other game is like you know really good he was coming off the Houston game the best single game grade of his NFL career like anything he did in 2017 didn't touch that game okay it's Houston you would kind of expect that but still um so yeah he has been playing pretty well if you take away that rainstorm game he has one turnover worthy play on the season so as much as it's kind of a joke that they, you know, the the statistical run he's on of like X number of pass attempts between interceptions only exists because the NFL like readjusted the fumble interception thing that he threw in San Francisco. Right. It got hit it, just a little. But it is kind of legit that if you take away the 3 turnover worthy plays in the rainstorm, he has one on the year, which right. is I mean last season his turnover worthy play rate was 4.4%, which is really high. Um so he's gone from one of the most turnover worthy not one of the most turnover a very turnover worthy prone quarterback to a guy that isn't putting the ball in harm's way very much at all um even with the three in the rainstorm his rate is 1.5 percent, which is like the third best in the nfl so yeah well, he's if cleaned up
0: everything if you're frank
1: reich year. you have to be feeling pretty good about how that reclamation project has gone so far and I mean, that's a massive difference maker. Add in the fact that Jonathan Taylor looks like a monster right now, that bringing in the likes of T.Y. Hilton makes a difference to the offense. Michael Pittman is making those plays. Moali Cox is a monster in the red zone. Like, the passer rating of throwing the ball in that guy's direction is insane for his career. So, all of a sudden, you know, the people that were painting the picture preseason of like, how good can this receiving core be? Well, if these 12 things all work out, it's pretty good. We're kind of close to that at this point. Like most of the things that needed to break in that direction have broken in that direction. about right. the only thing that's gone wrong is they lose Paris Campbell for the season the second he makes a big play, yeah. I mean, the
0: pitman the Pittman development is a is a big one. He's caught seventy five percent of his targets, fourteen and a half per catch. He's got over five hundred receiving yards and a high PFF grade of seventy eight receiving. So Pittman's emergence, which I always thought was possible, was is huge. Again, I would I would love to have them have more on the perimeter, but Wentz playing good football and they've got some some guys you know some playmakers there, and I think Indianapolis it was a slow start but they're starting to just become what we expected, which is a good competitive team and a tough. It was tough to separate them in the Titans on paper coming into the season, right? Yeah,
1: and this is now like a it's kind of a must win for them given where the two teams are in their respective divisions. The Colts are definitely righting the ship. But they're still under 500 and can't afford too many more slip-ups. Tennessee, on the other side, are five and two, comfortably at the top of the division. But suddenly, this game goes in, in Indy's direction, and things look a little bit different. It becomes a lot closer again.
0: In the first matchup, Derrick Henry was, you know, held to four yards per carry. Had got his 28 carries in there. There's always pressure on that defensive front to just, you know, beat some blocks and, you know, keep him to some negative plays, put more pressure on that passing offense. But last week, Tannehill was really good. Uh, so, again, the Titans have they've, – they've got the ability on offense. If Derrick Henry's not there, Tannehill can win, win, win games for you. They're, they're starting to figure that out. My concern in this whole thing is as, as much as I raved on Monday morning about what Tennessee did defensively last week against the Chiefs with the guys they did it with, with Greg Mabin and Dane Cruikshank and all that stuff, can they actually keep that up? Tennessee's got three legitimately good coverage grades as a defensive unit the last three weeks which includes the Bills game where, look, they, they gave up a lot, but they hung tough with backups in the secondary against the Bills. And then last week, since the second half against the Bills, they've played really well defensively. I don't know if they can keep that up. I've got concerns about the Titans, especially on the back end there, besides Kevin Bayard.
1: Yeah, I think that's, that's a real concern, and Indianapolis suddenly has the kind of uh, offense that can actually take advantage of it. Um, I was just looking up some Derrick Henry numbers against Indy over the last few years. So going back to the start of 2019, Derrick Henry has like an average grade against them so far. He's averaging only four yards per carry. They have done a pretty good job of slowing down Derrick Henry. Sorry, 5.4 yards per carry, four yards after contact per carry. But the grade is not as high. They're kind of giving him yardage, but not getting killed by him necessarily. Right.
0: And so they've done a good job there. So it becomes a, it potentially becomes another, you know, Tannehill driven game. I Julio think, Jones, the hamstring, still dealing with it. That's going to be a season long issue here. I huh? think
1: the Colts are the kind of defense that likes to, they're, they're the kind of defense that likes to invite the run generally at, because, you know, to protect the back end. I think they're the kind of defense. This is the problem of sort of defending Derrick Henry, is that I think a lot of teams go into a game knowing that they're going to kind of, rally to stop derrick henry for like three four five yards every play and be happy if that's the result but that's what what happens when you get to the fourth quarter is you've been doing a really good job of that all game long and then all of a sudden henry goes off and beats you for like a 95 yard run in the fourth quarter and everything you just did went to hell because of that so that's kind of the interesting thing here is can the colts do a good job against Derrick Henry for four quarters. And actually, interestingly, if you look at just the fourth quarter since the start of 2019, they really do a good job against the fourth quarter. When everyone else is getting tired, the Colts are not. In the fourth quarter, the Colts have allowed Derrick Henry just 3.2 yards per carry. He has a grade of 60 uh, and just three broken tackles on uh, 26 attempts. So while everyone else is falling off Derrick Henry in the fourth quarter and that's when he's getting his yardage, the Colts have actually somehow managed to do a really good job of that in recent years.
0: So the, again, that if, if they do that again, can Tannehill in this passing attack? We saw last week AJ Brown was the guy. He took over. Julio's been in and out. You know, can the can the Titans passing attack take over if Henry, you know, gets gets slowed down a little bit here?
1: And the Colts are in a similar spot in terms of not having very many corners you can trust right now. Yeah. And in like you know, Michael Pittman and T. Y. Hilton is formidable enough, and that's a challenge. But like A. J. Brown and Julio Jones is a different level.
0: I'm just, I'm a little surprised by the spread here. If we, if I was guessing, I, I would figure the Tennessee Titans are going to be favored. So I'm going to lean, I'm going to lean Titans here.
1: Yeah, I mean it's only minus one right now. So on a neutral field, Vegas does think Tennessee is the slightly better team. Yeah. Um, which is probably fair, right?
0: Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, again, Indy's trending in the right direction. They're, they're moving in the right direction. This should be – it is one of the games of the week because it's it's the division battle. I do hate when the division games are over by week seven or eight. Like this uh, Patriots, Jets are done. This will end their battles, you know, the Colts and Titans, especially for the two teams that are probably you – know, that are going to be competing for the division. So it's as big as it gets for Indy. But uh, Tennessee keeps answering the bell, man. It, they do. My, my, my final question here. Can Mike Vrabel – for the third week in a row here for the Titans, you go Bills on Monday Night Football, then the Chiefs, now right. your division rival. It is so tough to keep double your team let
1: down. Double letdown. Double letdown spot. Last, year was a, or last week was yeah. a letdown spot. They ro- re- answered the call again. Now it's a double letdown. I do think that Tennessee is a better team. On the other hand, I think Indy needs this more, and it is a potential letdown spot for Tennessee, having come off those two huge games for them. So for that reason, I think the Colts are going to sneak it. And... Therefore, cover. The, I mean, not necessarily, but yeah, cover.
0: Our power rankings have the Titans with an 87% chance to win the, t- the, 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 the division title. I don't have the numbers offhand, but I imagine that drops. I mean, a that's, lot. That drops significantly <laughs> right. if the Colts can win this game. I'll take Tennessee, though. And you're going Indy? Yeah. All right. You're a Carson Wentz believer, as I always knew. Mm. All right. New England Patriots at the Los Angeles Chargers. Chargers by five at home. Uh, saw a stat that uh, CBS Sports. Tweeted out yesterday, the Patriots since Week 14 of last year have only beaten the Jets and the Texans. Yikes! That's a little that's Bad. a little ugly. Yeah, this year they those are their three wins: Jets and the Texans, three and four Patriots. uh This felt f- from a New England standpoint that was kind of the story of their season last year, right? It it, it was like if they play a team that's not that good, they'll win; <laughs> if they play a team that's good, they'll lose, and they'll end up close to 500. And that's generally what happened last year for the Patriots uh so at some point you know they're five five point underdogs against Justin Herbert and the Chargers a team that uh before they got beat down by the Ravens we were like oh this is one of the best teams in the AFC I, yeah. I don't think that's really changed a whole lot the Chargers are up there but they've got some bouncing back to do after two weeks ago
1: they do um it becomes an interesting uh schematic battle because like The Ravens and the Browns, the last two teams that the Chargers have faced, are dominant on the ground. They've been able to fairly well have their way with the Chargers' run defense. The Browns, in particular, racked up whatever the hell that was, like 230 yards and 7 yards per attempt on the ground or whatever. It's like lunacy. Um, The Patriots we've been saying, you know, heading into the season were kind of built for that ground-and-pound offense because their offensive line has been banged up and missing through COVID and just not the way it was supposed to be. They haven't really done a great job of that they haven't been this unstoppable uh power rushing type of offense that we were expecting to see but does that change against a team like the chargers who a will invite you to run and b have not been tremendously good at stopping you once you have done that yeah i mean the the, the patriots
0: as far as like their actual rushing grades they're number two in the nfl damian harris leading the way uh, leading the way i they are running the ball effectively. But
1: they're number twenty-two in yards per attempt as a team.
0: No, like, no, I get it. I'm just saying they've got they have they still have that ability when especially when the offensive line is is back together. So I do think they're gonna they have a chance to really run the ball effectively against the Chargers. Uh, again, not to overrate in-game decision making, but you've got Brandon Staley being you know on the uber aggressive side, and you've got Bill Belichick probably on the more conservative side. That could end up uh, being a determination in this game. Uh, There was a good point. Uh, I can't, how do you, is it Brian Is it Paganetti? I've never actually like said his name out loud. It's on Twitter. He was the, uh, Ryan P, I'll look it up to be official here. He was the, uh, he he worked with Doug Peterson directly. He was like the guy working on fourth downs and the whole thing with Doug Peterson in Philadelphia. And he was responding to pro football talk saying, uh, hey, there's been a record number of blowouts this year. And it was I think I mentioned this a couple weeks ago, and, and Ryan quote tweeted and said, well, it's because teams are more aggressive on fourth down, and it just leads to a wider range of outcomes. Going forward on fourth down increases your win probability, but it also increases your blowout possibility, you know, probability if you lose. That was the Chargers two weeks ago, right? They, they, they had all of these fourth down conversions the first five, six weeks of the season. They get into this game against the Ravens. They go for two fourth and ones in their own territory which increased their win probability before the play, but once they failed at that play, it massively increased the ability of the Ravens to to blow them out, because they were essentially handing the Ravens points. Right. Um, so the point I just wanted to make here is that you're seeing that in the NFL, right? I mean, in, they were already the,
1: down 18 at
0: the time. <laughs> no, I get it. They, they were already getting blown out, but I get it, 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 it certainly
1: they, poured gas on it.
0: They were, but I'm just saying, we're starting to see more of that, and for the Chargers, it again it's not necessarily about these decisions it's when you convert it's it's moving the needle in the in a positive direction last week or two yeah. weeks ago it just it just wasn't
1: sure um it's it's tough to and a lot of people were kind of hammering on that idea of like oh well, this is the the other side of the coin of finally when you stop getting those fourth down calls I because particularly the ravens game like they were already screwed i mean they were they were done like this yeah. was a sort of this was a roll of the dice try and get back in the game, down 18 in your own territory. Like, if you didn't have that drive, you were basically done for the day. So they went for it, they didn't get it, and then at that point you're really done for the day. So, I don't know. I don't, I don't even know how much that really affected that game at all. The bigger concern for them is, like, can they just get back on track? Like, can they get, can they not get blown out immediately in a game and go back to the team they were and then we'll see where the variance lands on the fourth down decisions um and i think a big part of that really rests on how they do against what new england wants to do on offense which is you know establish the run dominate the ground don't ask too much of mac jones just be efficient and keep on taking along the
0: <clears throat>
1: what the Steel,
0: what the patriots want to do is throw the underneath stuff, run the ball, like you said. I mean, those are the things
1: that they that's want what to run. do against the Chargers. The Patriots want to be like the 06 Patriots again. They want to go back to like early. The 06 Patriots were trash offense, like a, from the pass game standpoint yeah. with no receivers. But like, remember, there was a good stretch of time where it was like, um, why is. Brady is the greatest quarterback of all time. He's got all these Super Bowl rings. Why does he not grade that well at PFF? And it's like, well, you know, because most of what he's doing is this dink and dunk offense. It's high efficiency, but it's not particularly A, difficult, or B, effective. And, you know, the team overall is great. He's winning a ton of games. Everything franchise-wise is fantastic. But Brady is not playing as well as Peyton Manning or whichever the quarterback was at the time. Like, it wasn't until later in his career. That was where,
0: early PFF days or yes, something. Yes, yeah. it
1: wasn't until like later in his career where Brady became a much greater part of the the offense and a, more, a bigger driving force. You know, the, the people that have talked about there were kind of two dynasties within the dynasty of New England. The first 10 years was Belichick-driven. The second 10 years was Brady-driven. I think that is reflected in PFF grades as well. It, it feels like they want to go back. To the first year or the first years of the dynasty and yeah, make get, it yeah. Belichick driven again, which reduces the role of the quarterback and makes Mac Jones into the sort of early version of Brady, where you're like, you just pick up the five yards every time, take the easy stuff, don't screw it up. Like, I don't want to use the term game manager, because it's pejorative, it's yeah. it's worse than he was. But that kind of quarterback, right, where you're not expected to carry the whole thing just facilitate everything the
0: well this is the game to kind of like play that to play that game right so the chargers have the second best epa per play defensively on 20 plus yard throws three for 23 when targeting 20 plus against the chargers brandon staley as much as we talk about inconsistency defensively that those are the types of numbers brandon staley's defense had last year has he legitimately found the way to just cut down on deep pass like Deep pass completions and explosive plays. Now, to the detriment of his run defense, right. the detriment maybe of the underneath stuff, but it is it is impressive how consistent last year's Rams and this year's Chargers have been at just avoiding those big plays. So that puts the Mac Jones spreading the ball out underneath and the run game in the spotlight for New England here against the Chargers.
1: Yeah, I, I think there's something to the idea that he is he has figured out the appropriate defense to stop explosive plays. And it's not the first time that's happened. Like Effectively, that's what the Tampa 2 was designed to do way True. back in the day until teams figured out that there are still ways you can attack the Tampa 2 even in terms of explosive plays. Like once right. you understand the rules, you can find the holes, the cover 2 shot down the sideline, you can find the rules that expose the middle linebacker one-on-one with the speedy slot receiver down the middle of the field and then eventually the Tampa 2 stopped being the defense that would take away the explosive play. And that's why people don't run it anymore. But Staley has developed this defense that has, back, has gone back to solving the problem. It's, it's figured out the mechanism for taking away those deep shots right at the time where the league was kind of living by those. You know, the way the defense had gone between the period of the tap two, going out of, va- out of vogue and now, like passing game had pivoted to more deep shots and more explosive plays and those kinds of things. So Staley has kind of taken that away first and foremost as the principle of his defense. Now the question is: Can you be good enough up front to avoid, like doing that at the expense of giving up, you know, six, seven yards of carry on the ground? At which point teams will pivot to just smashing you off the field
0: they might be this offseason just looking find those defensive tackles that could play the run without help find you know another linebacker maybe to help in that area Yeah, like
1: really invest hard on like impact defensive linemen yeah i could see that i mean it's
0: it's fun to watch with you know what staley's bringing to the team it's pivotal game for both teams Chargers are four and two trying to keep pace with the raiders and the inevitable chiefs coming back in the afc west from a new england standpoint they could easily do what i just described earlier Chargers this week, they're the underdogs. They're at the Panthers next week. You could say, hey, we're, you know, Patriots are gonna win that game. And then they're facing the Browns the week after that. And, you know, so they're the worst team, better team, worst team. If they keep winning and losing when they should, you got another, you know, 500-ish type of season. If the Patriots are gonna be a playoff team, this is the type of game they gotta win here this week. Chargers by five and a half. Is it five? No, five. Chargers by five. Where are you going in this one?
1: Uh, I don't like the size of that spread. I hear you. But I do think that the Chargers are a significantly better team, even if I don't love the schematic matchup with that Patriots run game, what they're going to do. I think it's a game that actually stylistically goes towards New England. But... But they're just not very good right now.
0: The last year's matchup means nothing, but the Patriots traveled to LA and beat them forty-five nothing. <laughs> Blocked punts and the whole thing. I mean, the Chargers were a game management mess, but it was also a game where the Belichick's defense did a really nice job against Justin Herbert. One mm-hmm. of the few times a defense did that. I'm leaning New England, not because of the forty-five nothing last year. I believe in all the Charger stuff. Just the spread, five is tight. I mean, five is big. Yeah, um, I think these. The Patriots are that team. I don't know if they're over the hump as a playoff team, but they are a tough, competitive team.
1: I think the Chargers win, but New England covers. There we go. So we're both saying New England to cover. You're not going for the win. What? You were talking the Patriots. You're not going to them to win. No,
0: Chargers are a better team. Chargers win. Coward. Chargers going to win this one. Different team this year. Dallas Cowboys at Minnesota Vikings. This might be one of the games of the week too. Cowboys by two and a half at Minnesota. And uh, I'm, you know, is this a shootout potential here? With Dak and the Cowboys, that passing offense, the way Cousins is playing, or is this one of those games where Minnesota has a random fourteen to ten game that
1: they, that they yeah. stumble into? I just the Vikings are so hard to place because they're going to play everybody close. They will they'll play the worst teams in the NFL close. They'll play the best teams in the NFL close, and I it's hard to tell what kind of game that will be within each of those games.
0: I'll continue to be surprised by this because I thought Minnesota, the way they played last year, the way they started the season, their pass defense was was not great. But they are third best EPA per play versus the pass now.
1: Yeah, their defense they have definitely has, improved. Their defense is slowly starting to look more like old Mike Zimmer defenses. Um, it's actually holding up its end of the bargain. It's, it's approaching a very good level. It's the number seven ranked defense right now in terms of uh, – PFF's uh, kind of ELO ratings. It's got some very good numbers statistically in terms of you know, some of the advanced metrics we look at. It has become a very good defense despite still having some kind of questionable spots in terms of personnel. But like it'll probably do a reasonable job against this Dallas offense which is cooking. Like, it looks phenomenal right now.
0: Biggest improvement going <clears> from <throat> the very worst pass rush grade in 2020. Uh, now up to fifth for the Vikings this year. Coverage great. I mean, everything is better defensively, especially after a slow start. Uh, Those elements, though, again, I think the the Vikings are a playoff caliber team. They pass the ball well, they stop the pass for how consistent as you can be in that particular area. Those are elements of a very good team. I'm expecting... I'm expecting a really good game. It's primetime Cousins. It's another one of those Cousins Uh-oh. narrative games.
1: Uh-oh. Right?
0: Island game. You know, ah, you, can, you can make a fourth quarter comeback at 1 o'clock, but you got to do it in an island game here. Yeah.
1: Another interesting thing is going to be how healthy is Dak Prescott? Had the calf injury. Was it like at the last play of the game? Yeah, it was right at the end, I believe. Hobbled yeah. off. It was always being talked about as was going to play in this game. Presumably is still going to play in this game. But like a calf injury is one of those injuries that you're not the same, you don't have the same mobility if you have an injured calf. And like he's been, it's an important part of his game, the ability to be able to move around, to make things happen, to, you know, not necessarily be a dynamic part of the rushing attack, but his mobility is an important feature of his game. And if that isn't there anymore, that's certainly going to help the Vikings um, on defense. Whether it's enough is, you know, a- another question. But- See,
0: see if Trayvon Diggs can get another interception his stats are just fascinating and look again full acknowledgement when we we assign stats to coverage plays it doesn't necessarily mean that that player should be completely you know responsible for every last yard but targets into Trayvon Diggs primary coverage 419 yards at 19 yards per reception inflated maybe a touch by that 75 yarder but still like, that's a, that's a huge number. Like, you take out the 75-yarder, it's still probably 17. It's a huge, huge number, plus six penalties from Travon Diggs. So he has been the epitome of boomer bust. Uh, he's made some incredible plays on the ball, those seven interceptions, four more pass breakups. Uh, ball skills have been really awesome from, from Diggs. But he's another guy that you can attack. So it's not – it's just like a different matchup, right? Like, when you talk about Marshawn Lattimore versus Mike Evans, it's Lattimore who's just always in tight coverage, who might completely shut down a Mike Evans uh, or it's just going to have like a a couple hard-fought completions, right? In this one, if it's, you know, Diggs, when he faces a Justin Jefferson or or an Adam Thielen, it's one of those where it could be, you know, four or five first downs, seven or eight first downs, but also an interception and two pass breakups, right? It's going to be those those high end high leverage types of plays and those matchups could help determine this game.
1: Still <clears throat> still 17.6 yards per reception if you take out the entirety of week uh, 6. There you go. So, well done. Thank not, you. Not just that one play, but if you take out that entire game, it's still 17.6. So yards Diggs
0: isn't the guy that you you just avoid necessarily, right? Well, it's so just how much do you want to test him?
1: Yeah. He he now becomes this. So Some of his interceptions have been a little bit fluky, but some of them have been been incredible plays where he goes to find the ball in coverage in a way most cornerbacks don't. So you now have to be aware that if you're going to target his coverage, and I'm not saying you shouldn't, there is a, you have to be careful, right? It's just, there is a danger now. But there are some cornerbacks you can go after all day long, and even if they're going to make plays and they're going to stop some receptions, you're not really concerned that they're picking the ball off, right? They're just not that type of player. They're not... When the ball is in the air, they're not treating it as if they're the wide receiver. Trevon Diggs does. And there are certain cornerbacks that that do that, where even even if you can go after those guys, you just have to be aware that when the ball is in the air, they act like they're the wide receiver. And this is why I keep coming back to this Antonio Cromartie comp for him. That was what Antonio Cromartie was like. You could go after Cromartie, But you have to be aware that when the ball is in the air, he treats it as if he's the whiteout.
0: With great length, ball skills, and all of that, right? So
1: Diggs is like that. You can go after him, but you have to know that when that ball is is airborne, he is making a play on it as if he's the wide receiver. And if he's better than your wide receiver at doing that, you could have a problem. Or your ball placement needs to be perfect to the point where he doesn't have a play on it at any point. So it's just something you have to be aware, which becomes – Interesting if you're Kirk Cousins and the Minnesota Vikings, like how do you approach that? Do you say that Cousins is good enough and our receivers are good enough and he's accurate enough that we know we can beat him and we can put the ball where he can't get it and Justin Jefferson will be able to beat him and it's not a risk. We will take the variance and go after the fact that we're better. Or do you say that it's one play? Like all it takes is one play, pick six the other direction and like we're done. Yeah, I mean, I,
0: I don't know if they have to force it down the field, to him. Cousins has been really good at the short and then the in- intermediate level. He's been great up to 20 yards, generally a place where I think you can attack this Cowboys defense. And I think that might play into the Vikings' hands. I think they move the ball.
1: Because I think there's a really interesting discussion to be had, not for now, but in the future, about... Like, what is a good game for a cornerback today, right? So uh, Eric Crocker, I think, was asking this about Lattimore versus DK Metcalf. Like, is it a good game to hold DK Metcalf to two catches for 90 yards, one of which was a touchdown, and nothing else, like, all game (laughs) long, right? Which I think is a fair question. Like, Lattimore effectively shut down Metcalf for the entire game, but the one time he lost, it it was a deep touchdown, it was a big touchdown, right? Is that a win? Is it a wash? Is it a lot? Like, what is that? And then I think the same thing is true for Diggs. It's like, if Diggs gets a pick six on you, or if even, even just gets a turnover, how, how much do you need to get him for for it to be uh, an even deal, uh, an offset, a wash? Like, how much production do you need to get against Diggs if he gets you for a pick? Because that's essentially the game he's playing right now, right? Is so far, he's averaging more than a pick a game. He's shooting for the interception. So you need to get a reasonable amount of production on him to just offset that, let alone to win overall in, like, net terms.
0: Yeah, somebody posed the question uh, because I think it was Seth Walder over at ESPN said, you know, EPA, when targeting Trevon Diggs, is, like, horrible, right? Yeah, it's, and it's like,
1: minus 37, and I, cumulative.
0: I use the stat, too. I think it was minus 0.7 per target or whatever it is. Um, Which and is, some,
1: of course... I mean, any, like, it's all interceptions, right? Those are the most, right. uh, amongst the most negative EPA plays you can get. So if you have a guy who's got a ton of interceptions, right. he is going to have a ridiculous EPA f- uh, figure attached so, to him.
0: So my answer to that, because somebody's like, well, you need to bake this into the grades. And I was like, well, here's the deal. The grades are saying how well did a guy play and how much did he contribute to production, right? Whereas EPA, again, a, a more of a team-centric stat, is looking at it's just like passer the rating versus
1: grade, right? Yes. Like the passer rating of targeting Trayvon Diggs this season. It's probably in the 40s. It's 53.5 right now. Despite all the big plays. And if you take out that week six, it goes into the 30s, yeah. right? So the passer rating against him is insane, but his coverage grade is not as insane because yes. they're different things. It's like we know all the different ways that passer rating can be skewed. I mean EPA is vulnerable to many of the same flaws it's just a slightly different way of presenting
0: it and the point I wanted to make is uh the 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 production that the quarterback gives up is just so dependent on the quarterback the receiver the decision the quarterback makes like Devon Diggs can have great coverage and if you don't throw to him he can't make a play on the ball if you do he can uh, so one of his interceptions like a drop by Leonard Fournette that kind of like falls into his hands I mean that's that's luck. It's a nice play. Good job you catching it. Um, again, you made the point, though, a lot of Travon Diggs' interceptions have been fantastic. Yeah. And uh, he deser- deserves a lot of credit for that. So uh, at some point, though, this, if we're going to keep talking about the Chiefs' turnovers have to change, I mean, at
1: some point, Travon Diggs
0: isn't going to catch a b- one pass per right. game, like,
1: right? I, yeah. We There's a difference, I think, between Trayvon Diggs is a ball hawk style of corner who will probably get more interceptions than most corners throughout his career and is a constant threat to do that, and Trayvon Diggs will have like this level of interceptions all the time. Even those guys, Asante Samuel, uh, Antonio Cromartie, even those guys you think of as like great ball skills, ball hawking type of corners, they don't have like multiple consecutive seasons of ten interceptions. Right? right? It's just not that it, it. It's not that doable. Like the the ability you have to be a ball hawk is what gets you to five, six, seven a year yeah. on a consistent basis rather than, like, two, three, four. But you don't – like, the what he, this, the pace he's on right now is unreasonably unsustainable and not going to continue.
0: I'm just re-watching some of the pick, the pick six against Jalen Hurts, one pick against Sam Darnold where he's breaking on a quick out, right. great zone coverage pick against Sam Darnold that probably not, should have never been thrown. The number of times that the Vikings just hit their outside receivers on those speed outs and everything – that's that's the stuff I'm looking for. Do the Vikings hit him with a double move or two, which is what the Patriots came yeah. back and did after he had that pick six. But
1: those are the kind of plays that he makes more dangerous than other corners. Because oh, yeah. if you, he is, if, he you if your placement is high. off on those yes.
0: speed outs, like that's Diggs going back for six. And Cousins has been the most accurate quarterback in the NFL. This is why I, I love this matchup because if if Cousins keeps playing the way he does and Diggs keeps making the plays that he does, like something's gotta give, like if they both play at a similar and, level here.
1: It, so... <laughs> What's interesting is again like Antonio Cromartie in his in 2007 had a 12 interception season um including the playoffs. Did they make the playoffs that year? I don't know. 12 interceptions. Anyway, so you would, in the playoffs. They did.
0: we're in the playoffs, too.
1: Two of them it's were pain. in the playoffs, yeah. yeah. Um so you would say that okay, all of a sudden you've put the league on notice. Now you've got this ball hawk corner. You don't go near that guy anymore. Stop throwing the ball in his direction. The next year he had 102 targets. Like his target rate went up, but his targets went up by 28 targets the next season. Um, so it's not like the league looked at this and was like, "This guy will pick the ball off at any opportunity." Yes, stay Let's away. stop throwing the ball in his direction. The league kind of looked at him and went, "All right, it's risky, but we know that you can still exploit this guy for significant yardage and significant plays. Let's keep going back to the well." And his target, like he had 100 targets in two of the next three seasons, never had a double-digit interception season again. Um, I, I'm not saying that, I, I mean, I do like the comp of Trayvon Diggs and Antonio Cromartie. I'm not saying Diggs' career is going to go the same way. But I am saying that the league will probably keep testing him because he hasn't, yeah. he hasn't given them reason enough to not.
0: Diggs, by the way, officially questionable. Limited per- participant with an ankle injury. Perfect. Uh, Wednesday, after all that, you know, talking about him. But uh, I still think – I expect him to play, but we'll see. Yeah. Um, where are you going with this game? I'm talking myself back and forth on this. I do think Minnesota ma- – I don't know. I think Minnesota matches up well against Dallas. Do you, though? Yeah. Are you really. In some areas. <laughs> uh, Dallas, actually, I, normally the the – Dan Quinn defense is not great against the underneath stuff. Dallas, in part because of the way Diggs has played, the underneath stuff, yeah. they have been really effective this year.
1: They have. I think their defense looks a little bit better than it is because of turnovers, turnovers. on Diggs and things like that. Um, I'm back and forth, man. It's uh, Dallas by
0: 2.5. Minnesota getting 2.5 at home here.
1: Stupidly time. small sample size, but if the Vikings have actually found a decent left tackle in Christian Darrisaw. That's so important for that yeah. team. Like, we talk all the time about how vulnerable Kirk Cousins is to the deficiencies of his pass protection and what happens when you just move him off his spot. If they have upgraded from, like, Rashad Hill, who was a bad right or bad left tackle, to Christian Darasol, who looks pretty good right out of the gate, if that materializes over any extended period of time, I mean, that, that is genuinely, that moves the needle on this offense in a way not that many moves they could have made would have done. So where are you going with this one? Uh, Dallas. Is this
0: the 90th straight week you've picked against the Vikings?
1: I just, I'm not buying into it yet. Are they that good?
0: I, I typed in Minnesota and then later typed in Dallas. So always go with your second instinct on this.
1: Green line is in agreement with me. They have. Good. And me too, then. Go Dallas. <laughs> they, Green line has the difference as significantly larger than the line is.
0: Go check out Greenline, 25% off using the promo code
1: NFL. Also, by the way, the bettors, well, the bettors kind of agree with me in terms of most of the money is coming in on Minnesota, but most of the bets are going in on Dallas. That's and because
0: all the bettors the listen to the PFF NFL podcast to get all their uh, all
1: their info. It is kind of fascinating the way those two numbers can be vastly different, though. Like, number of tickets is essentially, like, what is the average bet happening, right? Who's, like, how all the bets that go in, where is that? But then the money is, like, where are the whales throwing in are right, right. Like, where is the, you know, the Dana Whites of the world who's, like, just dropping a few hundred K on the weekend for giggles? Like, where's Dana throwing his money? The whales.
0: It is good. You get all that breakdown over at uh, PFF Greenline, pff.com. All right, Carolina Panthers at the Atlanta Falcons. Falcons favored by three here at home. Another NFC South battle. What are you looking for in this one? Um... Matt Ryan I, playing really well these last few weeks, by the way. He has. Can he keep it up against a little bit better defense?
1: Matt Ryan's been playing really well, and they are using Kyle Pitts the way we were saying all the way along, you need to use Kyle Pitts. Like, yeah. They are just, uh, I think it was Nate Tice described it as, the way you use your best athlete in high school, just like line him up where anywhere you want in the formation and just treat him as your number one read every single time, right? Yeah. And that's how you do it, and that that's what they're doing with Kyle Pitts. Don't, like, position designation is not helpful for Kyle Pitts. Like, don't pigeonhole him into one specific thing and say he's a tight end or he's a wide, res- like, he's just the best athlete you have on the field. Doesn't matter where you play him. Line him up wherever you want, have him as the guy that you go to on this play, and only go to everybody else if he's covered. Like, that's essentially what the Falcons are doing. And all of a sudden, that means that Calvin Ridley is like a secondary option again. Which is where he, you know, is at his best when he was secondary to Julio Jones. Cordero Patterson is like an outlet option now. Like this offense has the potential to be something pretty cool if that continues.
0: There's a chance. So that's and we might see some Jeremy Chin versus Kyle Pitts. That could be a nice battle for years to come. Jeremy Chin kind of the do it all. Another guy, you don't put a position on him. Safety slash slot slash linebacker for the Panthers. Stefan Gilmore could play. I'm seeing him listed as out as of a, that was a couple days ago. But uh, Matt Rule said wasn't sure on Monday if Gilmore will be healthy enough to make a season season debut. Uh, that would be interesting for the Panthers. All, you know, to your point, they feel like they can contend. They're probably in the you know middle of a rebuild, right? Uh, so we'll see if we can if we see Stefan Gilmore Gilmore's the type of guy I would put on Kyle Pitts if you were playing matchups not sure the Panthers would but.
1: positionless player on offense versus positionless player on defense like a proper like, Yeah that would be amazing actually if you just had two players that almost operated independently of the offense and defense just go like neither of it's you like are box relevant one
0: in basketball you yeah. play a box zone and then it's just one on one with the with the other
1: guy Neither of you guys are relevant to the overall scheme of this this system just just cover each other it would be fun.
0: I mean, I, that's the way Jeremy. Chin, I mean, that's the skill set Jeremy Chin has, and you see more of those guys entering the NFL. I always joke about it. A nice tight end eraser. You know, mm. oh, give me one guy who could just cover a tight end, the same way you said. What's a good game for a cornerback? Like, well, what's a good game if you're facing a Travis Kelsey or a Kyle Pitts or a Darren Waller? You hold him to three. You hold them to two. Hold them to six and a touchdown, and that's actually good. Like, it's it's tough, man, stopping those guys. But I, I'm going to continue to say, I just. I don't know if I'm overrating the Falcons beating not great teams or if I'm just in liking the way they're trending. Ryan playing a little bit better. His pocket presence has been better. He's number two in that stat. Uh, sack rate under pressure. And the Kyle Pitts emergence, the defense is slightly better than it was when it was really bad. I don't have a ton of faith in them still, but I just mm. like the way the Falcons are trending as an organization.
1: Well the big question for the for yeah, the big question is this is this a get right spot for Sam Darnold, who has been disastrous it, it and was bent. It should be. It should be. You are facing the Atlanta Falcons who have who are giving up a passer rating of 116.5 to opposing quarterbacks. The only team worse than that is the Detroit Lions. So they can't stop anybody in terms of coverage. They have not been Particularly good in terms of uh, getting pressure, and that's putting it kindly. They have a dead last rank in terms of pressure rate this year. They are the only team in the NFL that are pressuring opposing quarterbacks less than 25% of the time. So you're not going to get pressure, which helps because your offensive line stinks. You are facing a team that gives up a ton in coverage and have one of their better corners questionable. Um, if Sam Darnold can't look good again this week, yeah, I mean, forget it. Just bail on it. So what are you thinking here three points falcons at home
0: yeah that is i don't know if darnold gets right i mean i think he'll get better <laughs> I, I just darnold i like right i'm liking the falcons in this i'm i'm probably gonna ride this falcons train until they until they hurt me again again right i mean for years they were like they were our our kids well, that's what they do they they hurt they, they were hurt. our pick for a while
1: yeah i i'm kind of with you i think that the falcons I think that their offense will have success against Carolina's defense. Um, I do think that Carolina's offense will get will bounce back a bit as well. I don't have faith in Atlanta's defense at all. Ugh, I hate this game.
0: Talk it out. Talk through it. I don't <sighs> – Talk through your answer here.
1: I do think that Darnold has something of a get-right game. Carolina. Take Carolina. Yeah? Yeah.
0: But – Oh, no. Take all Carolina. Right. I'll take Atlanta. Okay. Atlanta uh, – Separation Sunday.
1: Atlanta to win. Carolina to cover. Perfect. This is science here. This and hammer the science. over.
0: <laughs> hammer, the, hammer the over. Nobody's stopping anybody. All right, Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills. Another division matchup that we saw earlier in the season. Buffalo won 35 That one was in week two. Uh, Buffalo's favored by 13 and a half here. Uh, Tua has played better football these last couple weeks. Again, against the Falcons, you know, not, uh, Jaguars, not great defenses. They're running a, a lot of uh, favorable, uh, favorable scheme that's helping him out a little bit. He's also doing a really nice job of protecting the offensive line, or at least not taking sacks, negative plays behind a rough pass-blocking unit. But once again, uh, Tua only had a handful of snaps against the Bills the first week. This is his most challenging defense that he's gone up against. Bills are number one in the league EPA per play against the pass.
1: The, the Bills are number one in the NFL and defense in a number of different but categories, a lot of things, yeah. and it's it's tough to know how much of it is for real and how much of it is a product of bad offenses that they faced. Now, it looked very much the same against Kansas City, but then the, like, the Chiefs have been shooting themselves in the foot all season long as well. They couldn't stop Tennessee very well, so that's it's, it's just very difficult to make out exactly what Buffalo is on defense yet. We know that typically... Their defense does outperform the kind of sum of their parts, They, which speaks to good coaching, to good scheme, all those kinds of things. So I think they probably will cause Miami a lot of problems. Miami being very weak up front helps the fact that Buffalo's defensive line is not great yet, and as much as they're, they've got some talented players, they haven't really all come together as a, a dominant force up front yet. Um, the Tua thing is interesting because – He hasn't played that well. He makes it look very difficult and labored and just hard. On the other hand, you know, that chart we talked about on yesterday's show with Justin Fields in a world off by himself in terms of sack rate behind a below average but not terrible offensive line, Tua is one of the lowest sack rates in the NFL behind arguably the worst offensive line in the NFL. Um, A lot of that is scheme. There's a ton of RPOs in there, and, you know, it's not like he's calling those they're helping him protect the offense. But he's also doing a good job himself of protecting that offensive line. So how much credit do you give a quarterback? Like, you do a great job of, you know, one of the things we talk about all the time, like the line that differentiates just a guy from a, an elite quarterback is how much do you elevate the play of everybody around you? Yeah. Now, Tua is doing that, but in a way that, like, doesn't really matter. <laughs> like, you're elevating the play of a cataclysmically terrible offensive line to the point where your offense is just bad. By throwing a lot of short passes. Yeah, and yeah, you know, doing a bunch of things that aren't really moving the needle that much. Like how, I mean, that's nice, but <laughs> you're still coming out of this being like, what are we getting out of this? So, it is a big game for him, as every game at this point is. As long as like the Dolphins are continually linked with trading the farm for Deshaun Watson and the idea that two was on the hot seat, every game he plays is now a show us something game because you're kind of on limited time at this point but I mean I think he needs if he's going to be that style of quarterback where he isn't bringing a ton of aggressive deep balls and explosive plays to the table you need to be really efficient you need to not like you can look at his plays uh, last time and say they were kind of freaky they looked horrendous but when you sort of look at the film and you're like his running back you know just before he threw the ball was sitting there as if he was settled in in space and then quickly shifted to his left, right, as Tua decided to, like, hurl the ball in his wild, general direction.
0: Tackled, yeah. So it
1: looked horrendous, but is probably a lot less bad than it looked. Yeah. Um, but you, you can't keep having those. Like, whether it was your fault or not, if you're going to be that style of quarterback, you can't expose yourself to that kind of risk. You need to make sure you're efficient and not turning it over. So I think Tua just needs to – He needs to have a couple of games where he's almost mistake-free.
0: I I just don't know. All that part's great. And, you know, if Tua has a nice game against a a, much better Buffalo defense than he's faced, you know, as far as other defenses go, that's great. I don't know if Miami can stop the Bills, unless Allen, you know, Beats, unless they beat themselves right unless Allen just makes a lot of bad decisions Miami's going to play a ton of man cover a lot of cover one cover three going back and forth with those with those single high looks and that gives the Bills one-on-ones this was the game where the, the Dolphins did a decent job defensively in the week two game there was some freak stuff that led to the 35 points it wasn't all the defense but 13 and a half feels high
1: though I would say Doesn't
0: it feel high? Miami's been at least competitive. Yeah, Miami's defense has
1: been one of the most disappointing units in the NFL this season. I mean, their offense (laughs) has been as well. (laughs) We had higher
0: expectations for the Dolphins' defense. Yes.
1: Like, that's the thing. Like, they threw all this money at coverage. Um, They've invested on the defensive front. Uh, It's just not working. Like, the whole defense is not playing well. Um, And that, like, they don't have enough, clearly, on the offensive side to overcome any of that. I'm going to say it's
0: a big number for a division game. It is. Miami playing a little bit better these last couple weeks offensively. They'll keep it closer than two touchdowns.
1: I don't know that they will. I think that it is a huge number, but it is indicative of the fact that Buffalo is one of the better teams in the NFL right now, and Miami stinks. Buffalo going to be big mad after the uh, Monday Night Football loss. That's their last game coming off a bye here. I'm going Buffalo. Even right. though... I'll take Miami to
0: cover. Even though it's Buffalo two touchdowns. To yeah. Uh, San Francisco 49ers at the Chicago Bears. We got Joe Montana taking on the uh, incredible Chicago Bears defense and Jim McMahon. Wouldn't that be awesome if that was the game? If we were just swap it out? Yeah.
1: Yeah. It'd
0: be Montana and uh, Bill Walsh against Buddy Ryan and the Bears defense. Yeah. It would be great. Instead, uh-huh. we got Jimmy Garoppolo, probably, I suppose, as... Uh, <laughs> Maybe. Has Kyle Shannon headset? I suppose. Uh, Trey Lance with his knee injury, looked, moving around really well at practice yesterday from that video footage that was going around.
1: Did that not look kind of weird? Not like, I mean, with he looked healthy. The drill that he was doing? Yeah. Like, what, what was that? That did not look like textbook footwork. Stole from Jameis. Yeah. Let's get that Jameis training going. I, I haven't said this on air, right? Have I? The, every drill you see from Jameis Winston is like insane. You may right? have, yeah. Well, let's do it again. Let's see, let's find out. You're not a man to repeat yourself. To no, ahead, never. Yeah. Um, like every drill, Jameis Winston does is madness, right? Whether it's avoiding swinging tires, whether it's doing bench press on like a like an inflatable Lilo or whatever the hell he was doing it on. Like everything you see from him is some form of like crackpot, unconventional. You know, where you're looking at this and like, what? I, I mean, I kind of get what it is, but why? Why? why is the question I have when you see any Jameis Winston workout video given the way Jameis Winston plays the game which is, you know Mm -hmm. frequent passes from falling over that kind of thing Do you ever wonder that if he just, like, lay down and bench press like a normal human, he would be more inclined to play the game like the way everybody else plays it? Play like you work out. Right. Yeah. To what extent is all of the crazy stuff that Jameis Winston does in terms of workouts feeding into the fact that he plays the game like a madman? It probably – it's probably something. It probably means something. I am starting to think so. So you're saying Trey Lance works out like a madman? I'm just saying maybe you have, you know, normal footwork drills. Man, both teams
0: kind of reeling here. Niners and Bears. Bears offense has been just a train wreck. Uh, the Fields debate, we had a good one again yesterday. I mean, there's, just, there's a lot to unpack in this whole situation. It's about QB development. It's about where Fields is. It's about masking his weaknesses, accentuating his strengths. I think there's discussion to be had on all those sides.
1: This should be a better game for their offense, though. I think so, like, yeah. San Francisco's defense is not as good as a couple of the other teams they've played. They're getting
0: hurt again. They're getting banged up again.
1: They do have Nick Bosa, which is a like, who is a potential game-changing player. Like as much as Jason Peters has played reasonably well this season. I mean, we saw what happened when Miles Garrett went up against him. Yeah. Now Nick Bosa isn't quite Miles Garrett, but it's not that far. He isn't that far away. You know, Nick Bosa has the kind of ability that can do to Jason Peters what Miles Garrett was doing to Jason Peters. Now, in an idea like hopefully for the uh the Bears sake, the you know, the other three guys in the defensive line aren't doing the same thing that the Browns were doing that week. But like that is a potential problem for this Bears offense, but the 49ers don't have the corners, they don't have the pass rush beyond Nick Bosa. It should be an area where this Chicago offense will look better.
0: Yeah, I think they they definitely should. Uh, Bears are just so beat up. And Khalil Mack expected to be out; he's doubtful for the game, not expected to play. Allen Robinson questionable. Tayshon Gibson questionable. Akeem Hicks questionable. They, the Bears again roster under Matt Nagy. This is probably his worst. And oh you're such a Nagy apologist. I'm
1: just saying it is. Is he going to be coaching from like, his car, or is he getting? Oh yeah, he's on the COVID list. Mm. Hidden.
0: That's right. We talked about
1: that yesterday. In an undisclosed location. Undisclosed. He should. He should be undisclosed on Sunday. (laughs) Right? (laughs) Nagy is is calling plays from somewhere. We don't know where. He's in the building.
0: So I think – let me top off the Fields discussion here really quick. At some point, you want to have a turn-the-corner feeling from Justin Fields. We saw it from Trevor Lawrence probably in week four. It doesn't mean it's going to be perfect from here on out, but comfort level – disastrous plays comfort level up disastrous plays down right i mean that's (laughs) this is you talk about sliders all the time that's what we're looking
1: for i just want to see a game where you don't watch it thinking this can only be hurting him yeah like i i don't even care if he plays well i just want to come out of a game and be like that didn't set him back because the browns game set him back last week i think probably set him back he is Coming out of games now, and you're thinking there's no way he's in a better place now than he was before he just played this game. Like, this is only damaging whatever work he needs to do to get from here to, like, top-end quarterback. It got further away from the last 60 plays of action. I just want to come out of a game where that didn't happen, where at the very minimum, we stayed where we were. We didn't take a step backwards with Justin Fields
0: as far as the 49ers go coming off a tough loss on sunday night football i mean they their whole their whole season you know trying to be they're supposed to be competitive in the nfc west coming off a year with all the injuries that they had and getting more of them i mean they're very banged up uh you know on both sides of the ball what are you expecting from the niners here i think is garoppolo just on his last leg because they're two and four he hasn't played well at all. Yeah, not sure they're getting it back to that 2019 level where he played good, solid football. I, I think we're just—I mean—time for Trey Lance, right, when he's healthy.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it probably should be. I think they, I think they're still of the opinion that Jimmy Garoppolo gives them a sort of higher baseline, although there isn't much evidence to suggest that that's actually true right now. But I think that's still kind of what they're thinking. But like his play has been fairly disastrous this year. We have, not only that, but it's been getting worse. I mean he started the game, he started the season with a 71 grade against the Detroit Lions who suck. Um, since that point, 62, 54, 56, 47 in the rainstorm. It's been bad. He has 10 turnover-worthy plays and had his first big time throw in the rain. Like he's not offering much. That.
0: To me, the the big time throw thing, that is the story of the Shanahan McVeigh system. Is having like Jared Goff's big time throws disappeared. They're like, all right, we can't, we just can't. Yeah, you want to run the offense and it's about all the plays, but there's just a lack of those really good throws. Garoppolo has been lacking in that area since he got there in 2017. And I think you know Trey Lance will bring both to the table—turnover-worthy and big-time throws. But that's a big part of the Trey Lance move. Yeah. So I think we're about a week away from it's Trey Lance's team, especially if the Niners lose this game and fall to two and five. You might as well see what the rookie has.
1: I think at this point they need to be looking at what, looking at the output and the numbers and the performance of Jimmy G, and asking themselves how much worse could it be if we have to roll with Trey Lance? I think. That's a different conversation than it was in Chicago with Andy Dalton and Justin Fields, where the answer is, you know what, actually quite a bit. I don't think you have that fear anymore in San Francisco. Like the the conversation is the opposite one to the one I thought they would be having preseason, yeah. which is like at some point in the season, you're like, you yeah, know, this is going okay. We're taking along. Jimmy G's doing fine. The offense is good because that's what we do here. But are we getting enough like could we be getting more if we put in trey lance you know to beat the best teams in the nfl what they're actually looking at is this kind of (laughs) sucks like the quarterback is bad right now everything's going okay but the quarterback is not helping how much worse could it be if we threw in trey lance who doesn't look as ready as we thought he would on the other hand does it matter anymore
0: i mean garoppolo was good in 2019 because he just didn't miss a ton of throws he took what was there he you know, move the chains. It's just, it's all, it's all off. This is the worst he's season. ever played, and... All that said... Nothing is, is helping. All that said, the Niners are favored by three and a half here. It's a it's a couple reeling teams. I think, uh, to me, I think you kind of have to lean on these priors that the Niners have a better all-around roster. They're supposed to be a playoff contender. Garoppolo's better than he showed. So at some point, he should play better than he's shown. And we just don't, I don't know when justin fields takes that next step it's if it's this week if it's end of the season if it's next year at some point i think justin fields takes a next step i don't next step i don't know if it's this week san francisco three and a half oh, i'll take i'll take the niners
1: typing it in i will take chicago there i think go. they might win the game outright okay even with everybody out <laughs> do they have uh did we get an official status on uh
0: trey lance here I mean, so officially around, like, questionable, limited capacity.
1: There's no way he's not playing, given that. But drill. even
0: when he was healthy, they would just put him in for like one or two plays. Well, that's we different, a- but he'll be active.
1: You think he'll be active? Yeah.
0: I'd love to see. I, I don't think to- he's starting, but I think he'll be active. I think I'm ready to see more Trey Lance, and then I wonder if Jimmy Garoppolo is just ready for a new, for a new world. Football team or Broncos or wherever that is. Wherever that might be in the future, Who wants or if he's Jimmy done. G
1: at this point? What? Who wants Jimmy G at this point? Ah, probably not too many people. I mean, he's a backup. Maybe right? the football team.
0: Is he? Is he backup for life now, Garoppolo? Yeah.
1: Until like he's he's in that category now of like you're a career backup until you get another opportunity where you may or may not determine yourself a second starting gig somewhere. Interesting. Yeah. Well, especially at the price. Go back to uh, to the Patriots. It'd be Mac Jones's backup. Oh boy, get that started, huh?
0: All right, we got a few more games to discuss here. Cincinnati Bengals at the New York Jets. Mike White getting the start here for the Jets. Bengals favored by ten and a half. Somebody posted the other day this line, for whatever it's worth, the line for this game in, like, April was, like, one. <laughs> right? So it's just Bengals are a lot better than we anticipated. Jets are worse than we anticipated. And they're missing their starting quarterback, Zach Wilson.
1: I mean, when you're in the position of needing to trade for Joe Flacco in the year 2021— you know things have gone south
0: yeah you know our guy uh, brad spielberger actually talked a lot this whole offseason about the lack of a just like a good veteran quarterback in part just to help zach wilson along and mike white is a veteran quarterback he's just never been a starter i mean he's not necessarily the guy that you want helping uh, maybe i mean maybe he's a great maybe he's a great locker room guy and he's a great mentor for zach wilson i'm not sure but uh the fact that they don't want Mike White starting and they went and got Joe Flacco. I don't think Flacco's ready for this week. You know, it's a little telling. So,
1: Yeah, it's another one of those moves, though, where you're just like, what's the point? What is the point? Like, okay. like, might as
0: well just see Mike White play football.
1: Well, even, not even, like, even if you don't think... So it feels like a, a reaction to like Mike, White, Mike White playing a game and being like, oh, that's way worse than we thought it was going to be. Quick, what can we do? And like, uh nobody nobody's on the waiver wire that's any good. Uh, let's trade for Joe Flacco. Yeah, there you go. Philadelphia has two backup quarterbacks. Let's grab one of them. Done. But like, okay, if Joe Flacco gives you a better chance to win games than Mike White, I will concede that's probably true. To what end? Like, what is the benefit of winning those games for you? Yeah, why do you want to win those games right now? Right. At least, I mean, okay, you want to win them with Zach Wilson as your starting quarterback because him... You know, learning how to win and being better. That's a good thing for your long-term future. If you're being led by Joe Flacco or Mike White, how does winning benefit you right now? And certainly, like, the, the marginal difference between which guy gives you a slightly better chance to win a game you have no hope of winning. Why is that worth giving a pick to somebody for? I just. I, what is the? I just. Yeah, I wouldn't give up the pick. Look, now, our somebody, intro has me ripping Joe Flacco, and like, what is the point to Joe brand. Flacco at this point? Stay on brand. Just what is the point in Joe Flacco? Like, I. Why we did get an, an,
0: another? Not. I mean, we had a decent email that came in the other day that posed the question too. When you when you asked about Tyrod coming back versus Davis Mills, and you know we've discussed this before too. It's better for your receiver development, or te- if you have a better quarterback. Now you can argue joe flacco versus mike white and who's better in the whole thing but if you do want to evaluate the rest of your roster whether it's even the offensive line or if it's your receivers and all that stuff you having a better guy under center does help with that a little bit that's maybe one of the reasons why that stuff happens but you never want to put yourself in a position where you lose your starting quarterback and you have to give up a draft pick you are a rebuilding team right you don't want to give up a draft pick oh, like just it. to get a Joe Flacco in the building.
1: Yeah, and it's a low draft pick, so it's, you know, minimal damage, I guess. Again, yeah, it's just, what is the
0: point? This would all get solved if, um, I can't remember, this might have been our friend Rick. Rick's idea. The, uh, the backup QB house. There should be a house where all the backup quarterbacks live. You have know, Brady Quinn's h- hanging out there, Matt Castle, and then you just call him up
1: for free. The I, NFL need, I need a guy. I need Yes. I got three weeks. It's like Yes. I got a three week temp job going. Who wants it? Yes. They're all and we you know, this
0: is this is a reality show. Like right? you're watching these dudes like play Madden against each other and they'll tell stories about when they started that you know, that one game or whatever.
1: Like the uh, backup like, QB like house. the Heisman Trophy house. it's like the Heisman the, House the commercial. Exactly. same idea so it's backup QB house same idea, All right, all right, I'm interested. Zach Robinson might you know, so you just dial up the house and you're like, okay, got my QB's down, I got a three yeah. week temp gig, and you don't know what you're getting it's in uh it's in New Jersey, yeah, it's like who, a... who can get here by Tuesday?
0: I think to make it more exciting, you get like a like a big wheel with everybody's name in it. Or oh it's like balls a, okay. or whatever, and you just pull out a name, yeah, and that guy goes. He goes to the job. All right. Josh McCown's hanging out there. Right. Sage. Sage Rosenfels is there.
1: You wouldn't rather have like current backup QBs?
0: No, like, I'm just thinking all the old, ones. like
1: old all time backup. All time
0: backup QBs are there.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Somebody hits the jackpot and gets Steve Young. Yeah. Like
0: everybody that's on that backup QB highlight YouTube channel, <laughs> they're all living there. They get they get lifetime
1: jt o'sullivan Sean They get Hill. a bed
0: for life a at, bed. at the QB that's, house. That's
1: a big house now,
0: right? So. uh we get a sponsor for this let's pull this thing together (laughs) come on nfl
1: make it happen who uh who's who's the who's the heisman commercial ad for who's that nissan Is it nissan could be nissan heisman house can we get them in on on those are pretty funny
0: the nissan backup qb house let's get them i'll take a free uh gtr see jason tudor he'd watch that show
1: let's get this thing going come on abc i'm only interested in the gtr nissan i'm not in anything else no do the Bengals cover the 10 and a I'll half. part exchange you a Camaro for it. Do they cover 10? Yeah. The
0: Bengals are favored by double digits. What happened?
1: What the heck? Well, they they were good. Yeah, they, no, they got they good.
0: We talked a lot, by the way, Jamar Chase. If you want more Bengals talk, we spent a lot of time. Was it this morning? Jamar mm, Chase yes. on the PFF NFL Daily, how good he is, ranking him among NFL receivers. So that's our Bengals talk for the day. Uh, Jets are in that mode where it's like, hey, time to evaluate your roster for next year and who's going to be a part of the rebuild and all that stuff. You'll hear me say that for the next 10 weeks. I think the Bengals cover even on the road here.
1: Yeah, same. They just gave up 50 to the Patriots. You completely forgot about Bruce. I, Bruce, yeah, Bruce, BFF zone. Bruce, Bruce, Bruce Grzykowski would be
0: in the house. I've told him this before too. I was like, I want to have a backup QB house, and you're there, right? You're gonna be hanging out,
1: dude. Bruce would love. He's gonna that be house. walking
0: around in his bathing suit, <laughs> shirt off, the whole time. I just go back from the beach,
1: bro. You pick my name. Bruce spends his entire time just alternating between the pool and the basketball court. Out yes, back and working out, and, he'll, and yeah. he'll work out right. And then somebody's like, you know, leaning over the balcony, screaming, "Bruce, the Jets have a gig." Nah. Nah I'm good.
0: <laughs> Don't want to leave the house. Bruce would be a lifer yeah. in that house. Give him everything he needs. This could this could go on. <laughs> Let us know which of your favorite backup quarterbacks
1: should be invited Look, to the If you're the CEOs. CEO of Nissan, uh hit us up.
0: Yes, that that too.
1: We've
0: we have some high end, you know, CEO types that listen, right? Wanna throw some money sure. at this thing?
1: There's certain words, by the way, that I've d- decided Nissan? Have, yeah, well the certain words that I've decided are worth Americanizing for the benefit of the people around me. Nissan. Nissan isn't one of them. I'm not doing that. I like, can't. That's no. what they call You're it. You're saying it wrong. I can't. No, that's I'm not.
0: What the company calls
1: it. Look, only to you people like they, you know, it's like, look, the, the American people, we need to kind of, you know, it's like Nissan. I'm not saying like Hyundai or whatever you call it. Hyundai. No, yeah. I'm not doing that either. What's that? Hyundai. What? Yes. These are the way so say aluminum well no because that's spelled differently like not only have you like butchered the pronunciation you've actually changed the way the word is spelled say garage (laughs) garage the uh, so aluminum is actually spelled aluminium oh it's it's a different word you have actually changed the composition of the letters to make it a different sound most of them you just like decide to pronounce it differently but that, anyway, I'm not saying... The Nissan, Nissan. backup
0: QB house. Philadelphia Eagles at the Detroit Lions. What is happening this week? Eagles at Lions. Eagles favored by three and a half.
1: All of a sudden, the prospect at benching Jalen Hurts appears to have come up out of nowhere. And in the world of, like, what is the point? What? Why? What? what? How do you benefit? He's, he's been
0: not great first three quarters. He's done a lot of this, like, hey, fourth quarter and, you know... You know, Blowout situations, making you know having his best play. His be- the offense has been
1: off. Explain they, to me the benefit of benching Jalen Hurts. They do have Gardner Minshew, and I don't
0: think don't if you do it. If you do ten games of Hurts and seven games of Gardner Minshew,
1: what you are telling me that there is a benefit to sitting down to sitting down Jalen Hurts to see what you have in Gardner Minshew. Yeah,
0: because stop they might be similar. I don't. Uh, is there anything that says
1: they're not similar historically? I. How can that be? A, we know what Gardner Minshew is at this point. Do we? Yes.
0: We've we've seen him in a poor situation, in Jacksonville. Yes. Elevate his squad. Disappointed a little bit last year, but more data points. Give me more Gardner data points, man.
1: No. Stop. Stop. What? Jalen Hurts is the guy with like some upside and a potential ceiling and maybe he can be better long term and he's already taken a giant step forward Minshew is the dude who like flashed some like surprising talent for a six rounder and all of a sudden it's like let's see if he can be any better to which the answer was a resounding hell no like yeah. their careers are moving in opposite directions at this point point. and just because Jalen Hurts hasn't been perfect you're like well let's sit him down and see what we have in Minshew where do these rumors come from by the way people are people are talking
0: people People are talking. Uh-huh. I don't mind seeing a little bit of Minshew, just not at this point in the season. Again, I came in with fairly low expectations for Jalen Hurts. I think he's he's exceeded those. So yes. there's there's something there.
1: There's Agreed. Something. And like at this point, neither like you don't appear to have a quarterback on the roster who is the future. So if you lose all these games, it's only helping the draft pick that you have, which you might need to get a new quarterback. And if you don't, like the only guy in this roster that has a realistic potential future as a starter is Jalen Hurts. So why why would you sit him down? Yeah. Anyway,
0: Hurts has exceeded my expectations. He's been solid-ish. Uh, uh, I do think a lot of the stuff's come late. They got to figure out their identity offensively. Should his we grade about-
1: in the first three quarters, by the way, is like 10 points higher than in the fourth quarter. Oh, it is? Yeah. Not his passing grade. Uh, hold please passing grade I don't believe 59.9 yes. <laughs> in the fourth and 66.8 in the first three that's what I'm saying it's worse in the fourth what in the fourth? 59 I, point something you're not looking at that right he's like 77 I'm looking at it right
0: fourth quarter 2021 I have the, total career i'm talking about this season i'm talking about what's happened this season it's, with jalen hurts man
1: come let's on dismiss what we saw from him last year that no longer counts
0: uh anyway what are you looking for in this game with the feisty lions can they get their first win they're still three and a half point it's underdogs. it's still
1: there. the same it's like 68.2 versus 70.6 it doesn't like it gets dramatically better in the fourth those are not the numbers i'm seeing let's go what Lions in their depleted secondary who just get new names every single week in Detroit. Well this is like a get right spot for Jalen Hurts. The only team th- no the only team worse than Atlanta in terms of passer rating is the Detroit Lions, who are giving up a passer rating of like 123. It's a get right spot for Jared Goff, too. It's a lot of get right. The only like that that's basically the highest passer rating in the NFL this season. So essentially any quarterback playing the Lions becomes the best quarterback in the league. So Jalen Hurts is about to have a huge day. Like, remember week one where it's like was this was this the Eagles or was this Atlanta's defense being that bad? It was Atlanta. It was Atlanta, and Detroit's defense is that bad. Yeah. So okay. Jalen Hurts is gonna look like week one Jalen Hurts, and we're gonna come out of this week, having been talking about benching him going into it, being like, Is Jalen Hurts
0: the future? Maybe he's actually good. So I'm gonna take the Eagles to win and cover the three and a half, because Detroit's coming off their
1: Super Bowl yes. week. The, yes. The Rams. They, they will win, they will cover, and they may even put up like a double digit win differential.
0: LA Rams at the houston texans rams favored by 14 this week after being favored by 15 and a half whatever it was last week against the lions seeing a lot of these lopsided scores second straight or lines second straight week we've had three double digit spreads as teams
1: start to you know we
0: one teams go this way teams go that way
1: huh you know what i mean it was an interesting hand gesture, like
0: in august everybody's excited Right? Everybody's positive and it's training camp and nobody's got a record and all that stuff. And then you start actually playing football and you're like, wow, some teams are really good and some teams are really bad. And that's what you have here. Uh Texans, can they stop the Rams and their cover two scheme and the whole with their cover two scheme and the whole deal?
1: We might have
0: Tyrod Taylor back
1: for this game. Now that would bring it a little bit closer. And interestingly, the line doesn't appear to have moved for that. Like the news right now is that Taylor's expected to start barring any setbacks to the hamstring, Um, which is like 24 hours ago the news was could get him back. Now it appears to be should get him back. I mean, there there aren't many apparently bigger quarterback moves than Davis Mills to Tyrod Taylor. Like Tyrod had that offense looking pretty good until he got hurt against legit competition in the Browns. Um, Davis Mills doesn't. So, I mean, the Rams should still be big favorites, but I would say that becomes a lot closer than 14 points if Tyrod is the quarterback.
0: I was talking to our friend uh, Zach Robinson the other day. He's the uh, assistant QB coach over with the Rams. He said, "Uh, Have you seen our numbers on third and long? And I said, No. Yeah, they're nuts. Like 13, Stafford's like 13 for 15 for yeah. 360 yards or whatever. So I was like, he's like, just go watch. We're doing some cool stuff. I'm like, Zach, you're running like the same play over and over again. They're hitting the, the over route to yeah, yeah. Cooper Cup, the dig route behind to Robert Woods. It has worked. I mean, Cooper Cup has just been open all season, leading the league in receiving yards. In this game where Houston continues to play, a ton of soft cover too. I mean, it's going to be Stafford behind a good offensive line, probably picking them apart, hitting open receivers in zone. So, yeah. This week I think the Rams cover because they I held mean, I, off the Lions Super Bowl uh, you know attempt last week and I think just the Rams are just too good.
1: Oh, and I do think that their offense will definitely cook. Like I don't the Houston's defense is not stopping the Rams offense um at all. But I do think the Houston's offense might have some success against this rams defense even with you know the players they can deploy in terms of some of the best players in the nfl i i mean look you're talking about the number like in terms of pff uh, elo rankings number six versus number 31 Uh, offense number 10 versus number 30 defense number one versus number 30 it's ugly in terms of discrepancy there's definitely a reason the line is this big i'm just I'm surprised it hasn't moved at all, given the threat that Tyrod Taylor could be back at quarterback. Maybe that's the threat. They think Tyrod's the same as Davis Mills, huh? I mean that's what it seems to suggest.
0: That's a harsh. A little gut punch for you there, huh? <laughs> yeah. Guy I like, guy I don't like that much.
1: Superman I mean, Spider Man thing. Less so for me, more for, for Tyrod.
0: You. Yeah. Well I think yeah, Tyrod might keep it a little bit closer if he's playing. Uh I don't know. Even last week, the, the Texans kept it close for a while and then still lost by 100, so I'll take L.A. I exaggerate a little bit. Give me the Rams to win and cover the 14.
1: Uh, if Tyrod starts, I need, to keep, I need to keep on the Tyrod hype train. If Tyrod starts, it's less than two touchdowns. Just. Maybe. Okay, so Tyrod Houston. I don't like that. Don't like it.
0: Jacksonville, two more to go. Jacksonville Jaguars at the Seattle Seahawks. Seahawks with geno smith favored by three against the Jags up in the pacific northwest mm. uh, my concern with geno the other night uh, week one i mentioned he holds the ball a ton going back to the time to throw thing week one w- w- with geno the first start with Gino, they got rid of the ball a lot uh, monday night geno smith's average time to throw 3.39 that's a that is way too long for a guy that just doesn't create outside <laughs> of structure he doesn't play like russell wilson Doesn't create like Russell Wilson. He's not that athletic, as far as being able to. He can't, you know, evade rushers or do any of that stuff that Russ does. uh, Throw on the run or any of that stuff. So the Seahawks, to me, have to figure out a way to get him to play better within the structure of the offense. Attack with DK Metcalf. You know, just feed him after they did not. uh, You know, after the eighty-four-yard touchdown the other night, Uh, and then we'll see what Trevor Lawrence does here. Is can he continue his improvement?
1: I don't like watching Geno Smith play quarterback. It's just not fun.
0: You like Jacoby Brissett, you don't like Geno Smith. Is what we've learned this season. Correct.
1: Yeah. Yeah. There's something fun about watching Jacoby Brissett go down in flames. You know, a a glorious death at the hands of the defense he's facing.
0: There's a lot of exciting things that happen when Jacoby Brissett plays football.
1: There isn't that much
0: fun involved in Geno doing it. Except that comeback attempt against the Rams. That was really good
1: yeah like that one drive was nice briefly and then it's like yeah okay and remember when christian start. hackenberg's first
0: drive happened in the preseason speaking of one drive heroes remember his first drive no he went four for four for like 60 yards and a touchdown first ever preseason drive
1: god i hope the tweets are still out there oh like, they're out there the victory lap one look
0: for hashtag the list remember that uh, <laughs> yes chris
1: it was his chris brockman is it? Chris name? law chris oh yeah i the, think the other guy
0: he was like, he, had us, he added us show. to hashtag the list. We were all the Christian Hackenberg doubters. Yeah. And this was probably right around the time he was going to be having his victory lap. Right. You know, we're in year five, but I'm Hackenbergs, sure, like, there are, Super Bowls. There
1: must and, be tweets out there of people like taking the victory lap after that
0: one drive. After his first drive. Right. It was the best drive I've ever seen from Christian Hackenberg. Four <laughs> from plays From Christian Hackenberg. Yes, it was incredible. And we just, get, you know, your bingo card, we just filled it out again with uh, Christian Hackenberg. I didn't do it, you did But that's kind of what it reminds me of right now. We've seen one good drive from Gino this season it was in a relief effort against the rams the last two games have not been great yeah
1: i mean look seattle's bad they don't have a team without russell wilson they're pretty depressing to watch the thing to watch in this game is obviously trevor lawrence and is he's started to look like he's moving this thing in the right direction is that going to continue or is that just like a one game sample size the last time we thought he turned a corner he then you know had a disastrous game the next week so he's got two from three now can he, like, start to string together a few of these games where it looks like, okay, we're happy with where Trevor Lawrence is going right now?
0: He's playing with a little bit
1: better timing,
0: fewer disastrous decisions. Uh, the, the sliders. The sliders are moving. I'm taking the Jags, man. I've done this too many times this year. Going to continue to get burned. Jags as underdogs to cover this thing. Maybe even pull off the upset.
1: Yeah, I don't really understand why Seattle is favored Even teams. Much. Seattle at home, cross-country trip. Uh, the 12s Ugh. will the 12 still be excited for a two and five team no oh okay
0: <laughs> they're Ugh. not gonna bring it they're going not gonna bring the noise
1: i have no trust i have no faith rather in anything jacksonville does so seattle to win and cover seattle to win and cover
0: you sound excited not- all, right, all right let's wrap it up washington football team at the denver broncos taylor it. heineke versus teddy bridgewater head-to-head here uh another one teams football team has been disappointing denver started out hot and not so much recently
1: this is fascinating if you look at the uh the elo rankings it's 23 versus 24 overall it's 20 versus 21 on offense and it's 16 versus 17 on defense they're the same team
0: that's what it just feels like right denver by so Denver's favored, favored by three at home so even even squads here
1: yeah they are basically the exact same team um like across the board the only difference is that denver's defense has at least shown up on occasions whereas washington's has been a disaster from start to finish um bridgewater has been better than heineke although in recent weeks bridgewater hasn't been playing well the so the interesting thing here to me is that the only thing that's functioning on washington's defense is the defensive line is still getting pressure yeah it's not enough and the back end is so bad that it hasn't mattered but they are at least still causing some problems Denver's offensive line has been creaking and a little bit like Chicago's when it when it's been beat, it's been beat bad. So you know, I do a weekly Denver hit, and like the tenor of the show is like, like, how bad is this Broncos offensive line? And like what happened to it and like, how's Garrett Bowles grading? It's the worst. And, like, none of them are that bad. Like the offensive line's okay. They didn't play that badly last week. Garrett Bowles is grading as as well as he ever did outside of last year. Right. Like none of these things are disastrous. None of these things are you know Miami for example. It's okay. It's just that again when they're losing, it's it's resulting in horrendous things and fumbles and all these kinds of things. So it looks way worse than it is. Um, but Washington have the kind of defensive line that will force that issue and you know, put Bridgewater under some pressure where things have not necessarily gone as well as they have otherwise.
0: Yeah, and you keep saying, like, the football team's defense has to look better. Yeah. At they're... some point. And I think maybe in a sea of, you know, you're playing Aaron Rodgers, they got Tom Brady in a couple of weeks, they, they, they've played all these good quarterbacks. Maybe this is the, the week, right? You're playing Teddy and the Broncos who are reeling a little bit, and then you, the football team's defense looks good this week.
1: There are a bunch of numbers that kind of suggest that this defense is abnormally or catching an abnormal run of like freakish you know freakish bad like that the results are working out as worse than how they're overall playing now that doesn't necessarily mean it won't continue like that we've talked buffalo buffalo's defense consistently outperforms the sum of the grades of the people within it um, this defense is playing worse than that so it can be a scheme thing. And it can be the fact that this defense is not necessarily causing problems schematically and putting players in the best position to succeed. But there's also sort of numbers that say, like, even with all those things being true, it shouldn't be yielding the results it's yielding right now. You're talking me into the football team here, man.
0: Really? Heineke's going to make some plays. The football team's going to have a good defensive effort against the Broncos. And- I mean,
1: that's the other thing with with Washington is that we said look taylor heineke is ryan fitzpatrick after a gillette commercial um on the other (laughs) hand we haven't really seen the good heineke for a while like the last good game he played was that week two game against the giants ever since then it's been like bad heineke from from start to finish like the ryan fitzpatrick thing is a roller coaster where's the up like yeah. at the moment, it's been like one one it was night. Thursday night football and last right. year in the playoffs, you know, the 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 roller coaster kind of cranked up to the top of the hill for that game, and since then it's been just whoo, right down yeah. to the bottom. Is it going back up again? Because otherwise, it's just bad Taylor Heineke. They're kicking us out. It's over. Be busting in. It's time to it's time to wrap it up anyway. So
0: uh, you took Seattle last game. I wrote that down. I wrote down football. I'm taking the football team. I'm feeling good about their defense and the Heineke. Coasters going back to the top here as they head into their bye. um by the way, Vaughn Miller did not practice yesterday, and he's their only source of pass rush Garrett Bulls has a uh, bulls bulls has a foot injury, not bull not no, Garrett bull not bull Garrett Bulls has a foot injury uh, Teddy says it's not time to panic, but it almost is
1: <laughs> so it's Teddy
0: Teddy feels the sense of urgency
1: here teddy bridgewater I God, you, you swung me. I didn't want to do that. But you talked it through. You're I, like, oh, football team. Yeah, but team. I wasn't I didn't hadn't bought into it by the time I concluded my thoughts. Now then you were like, oh
0: football team getting through, right. ball taking. It.
1: Washington cover but lose.
0: All right, we'll start keeping track. I'm 10 and 2. You were something last week. Oh we'll no. 0 0. Oh no. I'm 10 and 2. I got a good start here. All right. Thanks to everybody for tuning in. Don't forget, your promo code is NFL Pod, NFL P-O-D. You get 25% off. Any of these uh, subscriptions. So all those green line numbers, stats
1: grades, Go to my pin tweet, PFF underscore Sam on Twitter, and donate money. It's going to Best uh, Friends Animal... I keep forgetting the name of this thing. Animal Fund. It's written on the bat. Uh, Best Friends Animal Society. There you go. Um, They essentially save uh, uh, discarded pets from being destroyed. Like, people sack off the dog or the cat that they got, decided they can't care for it, throw it back in a shelter. Most shelters don't have any, like, serious process for that, so eventually the pet gets destroyed, puts down, because somebody was, you know, too useless to care for it. So these people try and save that from happening, like, try and create a world where there are no destroy kill shelters. So A lot of, a lot of good money. stuff
0: happening, and at some point you'll get to see me pitch against Sam because of uh, all of your generous donations. So yes. We appreciate that. And uh, that's it. We'll be back on Monday reviewing all of the Week 8 action. Thanks, everybody. Oh, hit that thumbs up button on your way out, YouTubers. Appreciate it. Just
1: go viral, apparently. It does.